Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. L-A-S-I-K. LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com. One place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money Making Conversations. Here we go. Welcome to Money Making Conversations. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. It's time to stop reading other people's success stories and come on, y'all, and start writing your own. I always tell people to always lead with their gifts, their passion, and don't let your age, friends, family, or coworkers stop you from planning or living your dreams. My interviews that I do on Money Making Conversations always provide the consumer, that's you, or business owners, access to celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. My next guest is truly an industry decision maker. My next guest's name is Ash Cash. He's one of the nation's top financial educators, personal bank personal finance experts, business coach, motivational speaker, a former 15-year banking executive, and the author of many books, including four Amazon.com bestsellers. He's been featured on many media outlets such as CNN, The New York Times, Wall Street Journal, America Banker, CNBC, TheStreet.com, Black Enterprise, Essence Magazine, and Ebony. He is dubbed as the financial motivator. He uses a culturally responsive approach in teaching financial literacy, wealth building, and entrepreneurship. Please welcome the Money Making Conversation He's my friend, Ash Cash. <laughs> Brother Rashad, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. Uh, it's a pleasure. You know I had to throw on my money-making shirt on. Absolutely. Because it's money-making conversation, so we had to make it happen. Well, the great thing about it is that uh, watching you build your career and watching you... Uh, you know, stay on the sideline, watch people. That's how people don't understand. You don't have to jump out there immediately to say, I've arrived. You should have come with some experience. Let's talk about your background a little bit on being able to make you an authority, make you authentic, make you organically appreciated by the people who you give advice to. How did it all start for you? Yes, yeah, it, it, it started uh, 19 years old, straight out of, of high school, actually. Uh, I was working at a video store. Uh, rest in peace to Blockbuster Videos. Uh, and I knew that I didn't want to, uh, you know, be a store manager. And one day, one of the assistant managers said that they were hiring at Chase Bank for tellers. 
Uh, and so I say, oh, you know what? I, you know, let, let, let me just test it out. I love money. Let me just go test it out. Um, and so I started my career as a, as a teller uh, at 19 years old. Uh, and I did everything, you know, in, in banking from teller to personal banking to a private banker, branch manager. Uh, I was a CEO of a credit union. Um, and while I was working, though, uh, one of my, my joy, I used to go uh, to, to, to jails, uh, you know, Rikers Island, to churches, to community based organizations and teach financial literacy. Um, and I'm a big Jay-Z fan, so in the, in the words of, of, of the Honorable Sean Carter, uh, there's much bigger issues in the world I know, so I first had to take care of the world I know. Mm-hmm. And so I figured, I said, you know what, I, I want to do this for a living. And so from there, uh, I just decided, like, how do I make money? Uh, how do I make impact, number one, but then how do I make an income and an impact? Um, and that's when I wrote my first book in 2009 uh, and really just kind of, you know, became a speaker, became a financial educator. Um, and then, you know, he, here I am today, still doing the same thing, uh, still still a financial educator, but, but really, uh, you know, doing it at a, at a level uh, that allows me to have, you know, more impact. Uh, and you know, combine that with, with with income as well. You know, Ash, when we when when I brought you on the show, bringing you on the show, the whole process is just to break down a lot of things that people fear, and people fear money, and people yeah. fear banks. Banks intimidate people. Taxes intimidate people. What's the common effects? You know, because you've been in the bank and you've seen all those different layers that you have. What is the number one common denominator that people have and not be afraid of when they bank? Yeah. I th- I, I think first and foremost is is knowledge, mm-hmm. uh, and then second second of all, it's the mindset, right? Mm-hmm. Because um, you know, once you have knowledge, the, uh, uh, people are afraid of of what they don't understand, mm-hmm. um, and so what happens is that a lot of people don't really understand how banking works, how taxes work. They don't understand that part of the game. And so what they attach themselves to is other people's experiences, other what, what other people go through, which is normally the negative stuff. Um, and so they attach themselves to that negative aspect of it. And so that becomes their reality. But if they start to, you know, get knowledgeable, right, the more mm-hmm. uh, we understand how things work, um, that is going to, the knowledge is going to change our mindset. And then our mindset is going to, to, to let us know um, that these are, you know, banking is a tool, money is a tool you know taxes even are, are it's a tool yes. and if you know how to use it the right way you can actually use it you know in, in your favor you know they're, they're really funny when we know just hearing your conversation i smile because you know you was talking about how people could stop you from doing your dreams you know and it, it, they have negative spirits because you can go to people they're gonna have a negative story before they have a good story that's that's fact of life. And so and in the beginning, I always tell people, you know, don't let your age, friends, family or coworkers stop you from planning and living your dream. At the age of 19, you know, you left Blockbuster, went to a bank and then you started having dreams or thoughts of running a bank, being an executive. Talk about people who didn't believe that you could do that. They, they questioned you and said, no, nah, you're just going to be a teller. No, nah, you're not going to ever run a credit union because that stops so many people's dreams and they allow those negative moments to dominate and then redirect their dreams. Yeah, I think, I think, I think it's important um, that, you know, uh, you, you can't, you can't, excuse me. I don't know if you hear the dog barking. I heard it. Don't worry about okay. it. Okay. Um, and so, you know, I, I, th- I think it's important that, um, you know, when you have a dream, you have to realize that the dream was given to you for a particular reason. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people are so interested in 
um, you know, what their family has to say, what their friends have to say, not realizing that the dream wasn't given to them. And so uh, I was met with a lot of opposition uh, when I had this dream of being a banker, when I had a dream of, you know, being a branch manager, because the truth of the matter is that, you know, the, the, the finance industry is 2%, you know, black, right? It's 2% minority. And so when, when you know, you see so, uh, you know, a, a black guy who's from the, from the hood, you know, right? I grew up in St. Nicholas <laughs> Projects in Harlem. And so, uh, you know, black guy from Harlem who doesn't have the education that, that was necessary. Um, I had a lot of naysayers. I had a lot of people telling me, what I could and couldn't do. Uh, but the one thing is that I just had to attach myself to that vision. I had to attach myself uh, to that goal and make sure that I that I just stay focused on it. One, you know, uh, they always say representation matters. Um, and the one thing, all I needed to see is one person. I didn't need to see a thousand people. I just right. needed to see one person mm-hmm. that looked like me that did what I wanted to do. And once I saw that one person, that's who I locked in on. And everything that everybody said or everybody, all the naysayers, it really didn't matter to me because I knew it was possible. And that belief system, that mindset of knowing it's possible was all I needed. And so I would tell anybody who has this dream, don't don't share your dream with somebody who has not lived your dream or ha- is it has experienced your dream or is experiencing it because they're coming from a space of, they don't have the knowledge, right? And so if if, if you're looking to, to, to have a successful relationship, you can't talk to somebody who's never been in a relationship and get and get relationship advice from them. If you're looking for money advice, you can't talk to somebody who doesn't have money experience. Like you have to have money making conversations with people <laughs> who know how to make money, been around money, who understand money. So that way that that advice is, is coming from a, a place of where you wanna be or where you wanna go. But, though, once you get their advice, it doesn't mean you hold on to it because things go. change, too, right? Mm-hmm. You take their advice, and then now you you mold it. You yes. you create it for you so it could, it, it'll be tailor-made for you, and mm-hmm. then you move forward from there. Yeah, that's what I love. That's why I was excited about bringing you on the show because you live my mantra. You know, stop reading other people's success stories. That's their advice. You know, and start writing your own because their pathway or how they got there is different. Their age is different. Their gender may be different. The what you know, their 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 parental support may be different. And so, but the advice is important. Just don't try to live it the way they and, and achieve it the way they achieved it. But more importantly, when I when I listen to you communicate all these 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 nuggets of information about your your history. And I tell people between the ages of 18 and 23 are important because that's when you are you're out there. Being yourself, you you champion your own causes. You know, you may not be married yet. You may be just a, a guy inspired or female inspired about your dreams. And when you get out of that, when you hit your 30s and 40s, is when your dreams may get shifted out of pocket. Now, as you were starting to grow, what started shifting and in, in who helped you stay online? Ash. Because I yeah. always call those people important. I had a lot of people who just stepped to the plate and went, Rashawn. Are you crazy, yeah. Rashawn? So, so, Don't so do I, that. So I, yeah, so so I, I I would say first and foremost, um, you know, I I, I have to I have to say my wife, right? Mm-hmm. Because uh, when I met her, um, you know, uh, we worked at the bank together actually, um, and she was my biggest champion. She saw a lot in me that I didn't even really see yet. It took me a while 
for me to see it, right? And so she was always uh, speaking life to me, right? She was always telling me, you know, like if I accepted something that was less than, you know, what 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 I what I knew or or less than what I deserved, she would be like, nah, you need to you need to step that up, right? Right. Um, and, right. So, and so and so definitely, my my wife was a big part of my success. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then also, oddly enough, it was uh, people I I never even met. Right. Because a lot of, um, you know, my neighborhood growing up, how I grew up, um, you know, I didn't have access to business mentors. I didn't have access to people that could directly mentor me. Um, And so a lot of part of my success was reading books. Part of my success was watching documentaries. Part of my success was really um, just just understanding that. You know, other people have done what I want to do. They laid the blueprint, uh, and I and I stay motivated by always, you know, focusing on you know somebody's story that you know that that I said, oh wow, this person came, you know, from 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 the neighborhood. Oh, this you know, oh, oh, this person is 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 you know has nine brothers and sisters. They grew up in the inner city too, mm-hmm. and they and they got two Emmys, and they you know what I'm saying? Right, and right. It, it was those type of stories that got me to, that 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 really kind of allowed me to to continue pushing. So I would definitely say. You know, my, you know, my wife, mm-hmm. uh, I would definitely say, you know, stories, uh, you know, documentaries, celebrities, mm-hmm. uh, business people, you know, Reginald Lewis was a big, you know, awesome. uh, you know, you know, a big, big uh, uh, success, uh, you know, a, a big influence in my life. Black Enterprise. Right. Alfred Edmund. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a, a lot of people who I've watched from afar. Uh, but it, but then eventually and not to get philosophical, but eventually as you start vibrating on the <laughs> on the energy of success, mm-hmm. you start to now attract success, right? Success attracts success. And so as I started to had to pretend and create these mentors in my head, as I started to get successful, I now started to, to attract other successful people who have now been my mentors directly. And so, I, I, you know, I, I would say it's a combination of you know of of what I read, who, who I attracted, and then also my my, my wife cool. as well. I'm speaking to Ash Cash. He's the founder and chief financial educator at MindRight Money Management, a financial education and media company that been that, that blends psychology and personal finance with music, pop culture, and relevant news to help people manage their money. It's the key to this conversation about managing your money, but also your lifestyle. Better in order to live the life that you want, and that's important because so many people make mistakes when they. I always say look in the other person's yard, you know, just because they got a rose don't mean you have to have a rose or your rose that big. You can buy a small rose for a lot less money and let it grow to that. But a lot of people want to match up. And that's a lot of that's what a lot of people make errors with money. They want to match up to what they think is successful. Like you said earlier, in a lot of tech area, financial area, you see very few black people or people that look like you. Well, that's why blacks a lot of times are attracted to sports because sports are dominated by African-Americans. 65% of the NFL is black. Over 80% of the NBA is black. And so they, oh, that's, a, that's they feel that's easy. But still, in anything you do, Ash, there is work. There is competition. Let's take the blinders off the fake game. Just because you see a lot of us don't mean it's easy. Talk to us. Yeah, all that, and, and I, lo- I love I love that you said that because I think that's that's what happens, right? Uh, especially now uh, because we have social media, mm-hmm. um, and so social media um, is the highlight reel. So you see the highlight reel, um, and people say, "Oh, if, if, if he could do it, then I could do it." But people don't see the sleepless nights. People don't see uh, the the you know the first you're the first to wake up, the last to go to bed. You know, <laughs> they, people don't see the, the the grind that goes behind that. 
Um, and so I, I think I think number one, um, that's why when they say life is a is, is a journey, not a destination, that's important for people to realize that if 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 success is a place for you, then you're doing it wrong. Success can't be a place. Success can't say, I'm successful when I reach this place. That's absolutely false. You're successful when you wake up every single day with purpose. You're successful when you say, you know what? This is what I want, but I, I love the process that has taken me to get there because I promise you, once you get to whatever destination is there is, there's going to be something else. You're going to stop. You're going to rest if you must. But then you're, you know, you're going to say, oh, I want, you know, this now. I desire this. And then now there's going to be another journey, right? The journey doesn't stop. And so understand that don't look at somebody else's success and 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 fall in love with the highlight reel. Don't fall in love with you know the the what they're posting on social media. Find out what is the process. What process did they take to get to that level? And you know w- what is that process? And can you fall in love with the process? If you cannot fall in love with the process, the success isn't for you, right? If you can't fall in love right. with the process of what 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 it entails to 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 attain right. what you want to attain, then you should be focused on something else every single day, right? My goal is to inspire and motivate people to be the best that they could possibly be. Whether I got a dime for it or not, I I am that. Right. In my being, I am inspiration. In my being, I am motivation. And so it doesn't feel like work. I know people say if you if you find if you find a job that you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And so when I say it doesn't feel like work, I don't mean that there aren't times where I wake up and I'm like, ah, oh, I'm tired. <laughs> I love right? it. Love I'm not it. saying that. I still love it. Right. Love, love, love and tired are not mutually exclusive. Right. I can still love it and still be tired. Right. It still yes. needs to rest. Right. But just understand, though, that once I get going, I'm like, ah, this is this is this is what I'm meant to do. This is what I love to do. And so, you know, I need everybody to who's who's after success. Just know that it's a journey to it and make sure you fall in love with that journey. Yeah, it's so funny you say that, because I would tell people I get up at four o'clock in the morning, Monday through Friday. I said, I'm not happy getting up. I said, but I know that's part of the journey. And I always tell and share the story with people about my wife. One time she asked me to, she asked to drive me to the airport, you know, and she said, wow, but you, you just you just don't stop, do you? I said, well, it's not a question of me stopping. It's just, these are part of our goals. You put goals in place, you have to reach them. And she said, she said, do you ever get tired? And I told her, I said, I'm tired right now. Right. right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I, I had to tell that story because I knew you would appreciate what I'm saying because, look, man, look, just because I'm moving forward don't mean I don't want to lay down. But that's not part of the mission. And then I and I want to throw you a compliment because I'm a big rapper. I'm a big rapper friend. And my, my all-time favorite rapper is, is Tupac. Tupac, I, nobody can tell me nothing wrong about Tupac. And it has nothing to do with your size, nothing to do with your color. But just listening to that those, 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 I'm gonna call them lyrics that you just laid about motivation and inspiration. Man, if you'd have dropped a biggie small beat underneath you, <laughs> boy, <laughs> boy, I'm telling you, I, I'd have took off. I'd have took off. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it felt like I was listening to the biggie small of motivational and financial expert. But you've been dubbed That's like it. that. You've been dubbed a financial motivator, haven't you? Absolutely. Yeah. I've been, and, and you know, you know, the funny thing about that is because. You know, like I said, I'm, I am I am motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, when I teach and, and that's what makes me different. Right. When I teach finance, uh, I'm not teaching 
I mean, finance could be boring, right? So I'm not teaching it from a perspective of, oh, you know, you know, one plus one equals two. Number one is the mindset, right? And that's why mm-hmm. my company is called Mind Right Money Management, because you have to have your mind right before you get your money right. Um, but then, you know, uh, I, I just believe that this. I believe that every single day that you wake up, right. it's a blessing. Everything else is a bonus, right? Right, right? And so with that level of excitement, I need people to be excited. Mm-hmm. I want you to be excited with the opportunity to earn. Mm-hmm. I want you to be excited that you even have a, a opportunity to fulfill your dream. You mm-hmm. don't, don't only be excited because your dream is fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Be excited that you have the opportunity. There are 150,000 people that die every single day mm-hmm. who wish they had the opportunity that you have. And mm-hmm. so I just wake up inspired Mm -hmm. and motivated and thankful to God that I have another opportunity to Mm -hmm. talk to people. And so, you know, you know, uh, uh, I don't drink coffee. So this energy that you get right now, this is, this is, this is nothing but water. This is H2O. I don't drink coffee, but it's just an excitement. And that's why they call me the financial motivator because, you know, I have a, a special way um, of, of using that excitement for life right. uh, to teach you about finance because I also believe that abundance is our birthright. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not something that we should be begging for. It isn't something that we should be compromising ourselves for. It is our actual birthright. And the more you can get to the money, the more you can get to your to, to the money, the more you can get to the purpose, right? So when you start leading with purpose and you start doing and being who you are every single day, that is what's going to allow you to uh, uh, command the income that you want to command. And the more income, right? I know Biggie said more money, more problems, but <laughs> the more income, the more impact, right? Yes, more yes, income, yes, more yes, impact. Yes, and so that's yes. what it's about. It's about yes. having motivating people to get to the bag, right? Motivating people yeah. to get to that financial abundance. That's their birthright. So mm-hmm. that way they can have more impact. Mm-hmm. Right. I've, I've been broke before. Yes. Right. I've had I've, I've been at spaces where I'm counting and figuring out how I'm going to pay bills. Yes. I'm not my 100 percent self. Yes. Right. I'm not giving you all of ash cash mm-hmm. if, if I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to rob Peter to pay Paul. Mm-hmm. But, but but I promise you when I when, when I'm in my purpose and the income is matching the impact, I get the impact more. And so it's it, it, that motivation piece is very, very necessary. It is very. It's, it's, so, by the way, I don't drink coffee either. I don't drink yes. tea. I don't drink alcohol. Not because I just don't like the taste. I, yes. if people do it. I'm proud of. And so, yeah. so because again, is my I get up because my body tell me to get up. Uh, but I always tell people this: the reason I get up because I I have a reason to get up. A lot of people just go to bed, Ash. They just dive in bed, and and then and then when the alarm go off, they mad or they don't know. But when that alarm go off. What drags me out of bed is that I know what I have to do. And it's by planning for success and about putting forth that effort. And so when you, like you said, when Biggie said more money, more problems, all he's saying is, look, you can get more money, which means that you're going to have to put more effort on what you're going to do with it. And that's what this conversation that we're having is about effort. Everybody wants to be a great athlete. Everybody wants to be a great singer. Everybody wants to be rich. Everybody wants a big house. Taxes come with that. Electrical bills come with that. Gas bills. All of it's much more. You know, I, I remember when uh, I was reading John Sally, when he had his house, he bought the big house in Detroit. He said he had like a, a $17,000 electric bill. Okay, guess what? He bought a big house. That's what right. came with it. He kept right. the lights on. He All those bedrooms had to be all the tall. All that stuff come with it. And that's what more money, more problems. As a motivator. What do you what do you tell people who get frustrated when the dream isn't what they thought it would be when they arrived? 
Yeah, I, I think I think that um, so the first thing I tell them uh, is, is, is is be grateful. Be grateful that you know that this is this isn't what you want. Yes. Right. It is, it is as important to know what you don't want as it is to know what you do want. Right. Mm-hmm. Because knowing what you don't want will get you to what you want faster. There are many things that, that I thought I wanted. I was like, oh, this is oh, this is it. I'm going to put my blood, sweat and tears. And then I get to this destination and I'm like, oh, that's it. Mm-hmm. But but now it kind of it kind of weeds out all of the all of the all of the things. And so I don't I don't um, you know, I don't think it's a loss. Right. A mm-hmm. loss isn't a loss. It's a lesson. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's not a loss. It's really a lesson. And so for those who get frustrated, I think I think frustration uh, is a great tool if you use it right. Right. Mm-hmm. Because some people use frustration <laughs> as a way to stop. Yes. Some people use frustration as a way to give up. Yes. Some people use frustration to say, you know what, I'm not doing this no more. Right. But you need to know, you have to use frustration as a barometer, right? I'll give, I'll give you an example. If you ever are driving late night on any, any highway, mm-hmm. right, and for whatever reasons you get tired and you start veering left, what's going to happen? You're going you're gonna to run across those ridges in the road. Right. It's going to wake you up. It's yes. going to make that noise mm-hmm. and it's going to wake you up. Mm-hmm. Imagine if the ridges weren't there. If the mm-hmm. ridges weren't there, you'll probably hit the divider. You'll, t- you'll swirl around. You'll cause a, a bad accident. Mm-hmm. And so those ridges on the side, when you get tired and you start you start veering left or veering right, it's a, it's a, it's a wake-up call. It's like, yo, wake up. You're about, mm-hmm. You 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 got to get up. You about mm-hmm. to crash. Mm-hmm. Frustration is that negative negativity, right? Negative feelings. Yeah. It's that. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's you. It's not for you to scoff at it. It is. It is a. It is a barometer. Mm-hmm. When you start doing something, you start to get frustrated, and you're like, ah, I hate this. Then yes. just don't stop. Yes. Just take it as a sign that you need to regroup. That the negativity, that negative feeling that you have, is telling you that you are on the wrong track. Yes. And now you got to figure out how do I how do I go back to the middle? How do mm-hmm. I go back to this road so mm-hmm. I could go in the in the direction I need to go? And so anybody who's feeling frustration, good, good that you're frustrated. <laughs> yes. You either care about this thing or mm-hmm. you're not supposed to be doing it. So mm-hmm. now take a step back, analyze why are you frustrated? How can you release this frustration? And it, and and what should you be doing? Because now mm-hmm. that you know what you don't want to do or don't like to do, what mm-hmm. are the things that you should be doing? Yeah, it's, it's two things. Uh, thank you for that. That's a blessing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that little clip out and put it on my socials and promote you, my brother. But there are other ways you're promoting yourself. You have the Ash Cash Show, a daily live financial news show, which streams Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on your YouTube channel. And it provides what we just heard, motivation and advice on finance, entrepreneurship, and more. And then I recently appeared on the Vault with Ash Cash. Woo! With downtown Atlanta, stepped in and met the, met the crew, where he uh, speaks with successful tastemakers and entrepreneurs on their mindset. When you started tapping into my mindset, what was your walk away? Yeah, ah, oh, man. So, so it, it it was first of all, it was a classic. It was an honor <laughs> to even just be in your presence because you know, as I said on the show, there was so there was so much. Uh, I'm I'm always the behind the scenes guy. Like, right, right. Like what, what's making this What's making this tick? Um, but when I started tapping into your mindset, the one thing that that stood out to me um, is that it, it was your resilience. Right, was your ability to not allow. Nothing, honestly, right? Nothing yes. to, to stop you. Mm-hmm. That you set a goal, mm-hmm. right? And you see the vision for that goal and you go after that goal regardless, right? Even mm-hmm. when there are obstacles because you've had a lot of obstacles mm-hmm. in your life. There were things that 
the normal person, right? And I'm using normal <laughs> as a, you know, j- just as a word, right? The right. normal person would have given up, uh, given the the the, the, the obstacles, mm-hmm. given the things that that had happened in your life. Um, but 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 the but but your mindset, you know, I, I don't even think you understand what giving up means, to be honest, right? Because mm-hmm. there, there were even moments uh, in our interview that you said something that that the normal person would have been. <laughs> more emotionally attached to it. Like, right. oh, this happened, right? But but she was like, oh, yeah, yeah, it was just that. Or, you know, and I was like, whoa, like, again, so so I think I think I think that mindset of um, you know, you know, you know, resiliency, right, that I know that the goal is this, and I know on my way to that goal, there are gonna be some some obstacles, there are gonna be some roadblocks, there are gonna be some detours, there are gonna be some things, but that's not gonna stop me. That's actually right. Like failure is actually part of success. That's what yes. I got. That, that 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 the failures, the roadblocks, the, the 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 things that you might stumble on are part of your role to success. So resiliency is that word that I that I would definitely attribute to you. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, the beauty of you is that uh, my my blessing is that uh, meeting people who um, make me better and being interviewed by you, sitting around your crew, I walked away a better person, a better leader, uh, a motivation. Because sometimes you get trapped into rhythms. And that's why I always tell people to experience. That's why people tell you to go on vacation. So go to different destinations so you can see things and it'll either frustrate you, which I love that, because I love two words that you talked about. One word, you say frustration, that people don't understand the value of that. Selfishness, on my side, people don't understand the value of that because they take it negative. They took two negative words, frustration and selfishness, where really those are the keys to your success. Because you selfishness is denying yourself and taking advantage of every, every hour in the 24 hours. That's selfishness. Say, man, look, if I got to get it done, I got to get it done. That's overcoming the frustration that most people say, I can't get it done because I don't have enough time. I've never understood what that meant. Not enough time? Are you awake? Do you have your help? God bless you to get up. You have enough time. Set some goals and go get it done. But the number one thing about it, and that's why I'm recommending people to, you know, see your your show that streams Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 9 9 Eastern Standard Time on your YouTube channel, the Ash Cash Show. I'm going to put that in my newsletter. In fact, what I'm going to do, I'm going to get with you because I got these little links I like to drop on my social media and send people can send you questions and let it drop into your Dropbox. And then you can see and just see how you're affecting people, Ash, because you're an important individual in our society. You're nonstop. And my compliment about you being the biggie smalls of financial motivation was as, as ultimate compliment as I can get because you, you got the lyrics and the lyrics is financial literacy. And if somebody is speaking it or they say coming off the dome as you are in financial literacy, take that crown, baby. Wear it to the right like Biggie had it. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I appreciate that. It means a lot. Thank you. And so what's the future for you? Let's, let's wrap it up and let's talk about what's your, what's your future next step goals. I mean, I mean, the 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 future, the future, the future was uh, an Emmy Award talk show, but now the future is EGOT, right? Yes. If you know, you know. That the future is EGOT. The future is Emmy, uh, you know, Grammy, for, for Oscar, and Tony, right? Right. The the future is the Grammy. The future is the Oscar. The future is the Tony, and and you know, courtesy of Rashawn McDonald. Uh, so I received that. Um, but yeah, my, you know, my, the future is really for me. Um, just in, continuing to do what I do every single day, mm-hmm. um, but just on a higher level, right? Yes. And so that mm-hmm. that's the beauty of 
you know, what I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have eight books that I've written. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm writing more books. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have a, a daily finance show. I have Inside the Vault mm-hmm. with Ash Cash, which is mm-hmm. a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the goal is to, it just, it's just to continue uh, and reach more people. And so, you know, I'm, I might have a reach of 100,000 or a million people, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. how do I have, how do I get that reach of, of millions yes. of people? Yes. And so it's just mm-hmm. to continue to do the same thing that I'm doing, but on a, on a larger scale. Well, you know, I, I remember a couple of years ago, a guy came and he was interviewing me. He said, man, you're going to fill stadiums. I go, hmm. He said, "You, what you say, you're going to fill stadiums. And I'm going to tell you this, Ash, when I fill that stadium, you're going to be on stage with me, brother. That's how much I respect you. Uh, you know, I, I see you as a younger version of me with, with different goals that are, that are working for you, and I want them to be different from mine. But more importantly, I want to share you in any platform that somebody says, who do you want else on the show? Understand you're going to get a call from me, Ash. Thank you, brother. Because, man, you, 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 you're a beast, dude. And I love you for that. I love your team. I love what y'all are doing, man. And if you ever need me for anything, I always know I'm coming without hesitation. <laughs> Thank you. That that means that means a lot because you because you were on, you you were on the mentorship list as well. So you were, were somebody that was a mentor to me. I, you know, I, I think I told you this, but uh, you know, when 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 back in the Steve Harvey WBLS days, mm-hmm. like when when anytime I went in that building. Rashawn McDonald was the name. It rung bells in that building, and I was like, "Who is this Rashawn McDonald guy?" And when I looked you up, I said, "Oh, he's the guy." That's the guy. So, and just from a manifestation perspective, mm-hmm. right? Just like thoughts become things, mm-hmm. because you know now you've been on my show, I'm yeah. on your show. Yes. You know the, the, what you've just, you know the the help that you've just uh, offered up. That's literally, you know, you were once a mentor to me. That I that I didn't have access to, and now I'm I'm vibrating. I'm in an energetic alignment with Rashawn McDonald, and now you know I can have you as a real mentor. Absolutely, uh, so that means a lot to me. Ash Cash, one. Thank you for coming on Money Making Conversation, my man. Thank you. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you. We will be right back with more Money Making Conversations with your host Rashawn McDonald. It's finally here, the season of celebration, and no matter how you celebrate with family and friends. Whether you're preparing for Reyes Magos or Karamu, lighting the menorah, or going to Midnight Mass, Kohl's has just what you need to make those traditions special. Plus, you'll find gifts for all your loved ones. Send warm wishes with cozy fleeces, sweaters, loungewear, blankets, and throws. Support minority-owned or founded brands by giving gifts from Human Nation and Shea Moisture. Or treat them to everyone's favorite activewear from top brands like Nike, Adidas, and Under Armour. And in the spirit of giving, Kohl's Cares is donating $8 million to local nonprofits nationwide committed to the health and well-being of our communities. No matter how you celebrate, when you shop at Kohl's, you're right where you belong. So this season, give with all your heart with great gifts from Kohl's or Kohl's.com. Whether your event needed one room or an entire conference center, Hopin has revolutionized the way people come together. With Hopin, you can host a fully-fledged digital meetup complete with one-on-one meetings, hands-on sessions, and expo booths. And because everything is hosted in a single, easy-to-use platform, it can be as big or small as you want, remain convenient for anyone who wants to attend, and give you access to data you never would have known otherwise. Visit Hopin.com to learn more and get started. 
Still living in 2021 and manually taking notes? Start the new year with otter.ai to generate automatic notes for meetings, interviews, or lectures. With otter.ai, you can search the meeting notes, insert images, play back the audio, and share them with your friends or coworkers. You can capture action items, remember meeting details, and keep everyone informed. Otter.ai works for in-person or virtual meetings like Zoom, Microsoft Teams, and Google Meet. Sign up for free at otter.ai or download the app for free. Otter.ai, that's O. Hi, I am Rashawn McDonald, the host of MoneyMakingConversation.com. The Cafe Mocha Swag Award is a celebration of black men who are making a difference in our community by empowering others to reach their life's goals. From civic leaders, businessmen, activists, celebrities, and everyday dads. The Cafe Mocha Swag Award winner this week is Dr. Ian Smith. Dr. Ian Smith states, people have to realize that dieting is not a sprint, it's a marathon. If you celebrate the small victories, you will eventually win the war. With the current climate of uncertainty that we are all facing during these pandemic times, Dr. Smith is now the solo host of The Doctors for its 13th season, and he's going to fill you with information that is going to change your life. I work with the hope that even if one person can find a benefit or feel like what I've written and created has changed their life. If, if it can impact even just one life, it makes me feel like all the time and the effort and the dedication was well worth it. The Cafe Mocha Swag Award represents men who have strength, whose wisdom is assertive, and who is genuine in their spirit. Welcome back to Money Making Conversations with your host, Rashawn McDonald. My next guest is a celebrity. She's a celebrity. Fair for me, fair for me. My next guest is Michael Hyatt. She was born in England to Jamaican parents. At the age of 10, she immigrated to the United States with her mother and two siblings. Living in Maryland and Lady Washington, D.C., she went on to study acting at HBCU, Howard University, for an undergraduate degree. <laughs> her numerous television credits include, get this, The West Wing, The Wire, The Kill Point, True Detective, Ray Donovan, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, and most recently, that's just a few. I'm not going to act like that's it. It's just a few. She was recently seen, I just saw on TV, in the movie with Denzel Washington, The Little Things. She is currently starring in the fourth season of FX hit series Snowfall. You got to watch it. It airs every Wednesday at 10 p.m. on FX. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations. I'm so happy to interview her. I'm so happy to see this beautiful smile, Michael Hyatt. <laughs> Hi. How you? Well, first of all, just keep smiling. Smile for this whole interview because I'm never going to see you smile this much in any of the roles that you do. But you do them so brilliantly and you have this beautiful smile. First of all, you're, you're a beautiful woman, personality-wise, and things you've done in your career. Let's, let's, let's talk about, let's get started because of, I'm a big advocate of HBCUs. And Howard University is right there. It's kind of like the Harvard University of HBCUs. Tell me why you went there and walk away with some of your experiences, because we all know the vice president of the United States is a Howard graduate. Talk about that experience, Michael. Um, Howard was, in hindsight, uh, a tremendous experience. Um, you know, I, 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 my mom went went to Howard University, mm-hmm. and. I I was not a good student in high school at right. all. I was, you know, I was a D average at best and I barely got out of high school. And so it was a it was it was it was my mother's legacy mm-hmm. that really got me into Howard. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really appreciate it 
until, cause I just wasn't thinking like that. I was a silly teenager. Um, and when I got there, the then dean of the school said to me, look, let's just be real. You are here because of your mother, wow. but you will stay here because of you. So mm-hmm. you need to make a decision. And I, I walked into the theater in Ira Aldrich Theater at Howard and, and immediately the energy of the space just took me over. Mm-hmm. And I knew that this is where I belonged. And my world, my consciousness changed immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, I had found myself. I had found my calling. I had found where I belonged. And, you know, it, it was it was tough academically just for me to get a grip and catch a clue right. about what was needed for me, from mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I will tell you... You know, and and then I I I joined a, a society, diva society, a divine intelligent versatile artist, and just had so many wonderful experiences mm-hmm. as an African woman surrounded by African people. I did not understand its depth. Right. in my spirit mm-hmm. until I went to graduate school at NYU, right. which is a completely white <laughs> experience, um, you know, 90% or whatever it is. Right, right. And it was when I showed up there that I realized just how much I got from Howard University. Mm-hmm. I, and I have a son who's 10. Mm-hmm. He's going to an HBCU. May not be Howard. I don't know. Whatever. He better be Howard. But anyway, <laughs> he will be because I understand how important it is for my African man son mm-hmm. to be surrounded by himself. Right. Um. To live and swim in that power, that mm-hmm. greatness, mm-hmm. before he sets out into the world. Mm-hmm. It was a tremendous difference and it has served me throughout my life. And it is, which is a beautiful, you've lived a, and living a beautiful life. Before we get to FX, you know, when, when, when we talk about gifts, because I talk about that at the top, you know, and you say, Rashawn, I went to college and basically got to college because my mom provided with an opportunity. But when I got there, it was either sink or swim. And it was sink or swim tied to my efforts. And, yes. but your talents, when did you really realize that this, this acting and then in the college, but then when you left college, when it really starts sinking in that this is what I want to do for the rest of my life? Um, I, I, uh, you know, I am a late bloomer. Mm-hmm. I have been surrounded by the art my whole life. My mm-hmm. father was an actor in Jamaica and in England. Mm-hmm. And my mother is a museum director. Mm-hmm. So I was surrounded by artists. It just a what it was just an is in my life. And you know, then I, you know, went to Howard and and I was in this world. And then when I finished Howard, it, it was just it it just was. Right. I, I didn't know what else to do. I mean, I knew how to survive because every artist needs to know how to survive. But it was just a clear understanding from my my gut. It was a knowing. It was a calling. I knew that it was. But I, I didn't know how. And I don't know that any artist knows the how 
Right. And I always tell people, you don't need to know how. You mm. don't need to know when, how, who. <laughs> you just need to say yes to whatever it is your truth is. Mm-hmm. And by saying yes, you it will flow through you. That is how I have found. I didn't calculate any of this. I knew that I would be successful, mm-hmm. but the how, I, I had no idea. Or the when, I had no idea. And it has been a roller coaster. There's no doubt about it. I have learned as I have gone along. And I have learned the, the, the demons within myself that I had to heal in order for me to embrace the success that was willingly waiting for me. Mm-hmm. So it has been a journey emotionally, spiritually, and artistically for me to get to where I am. Mm-hmm. But I always knew in my being where I belonged. Wow. And, and when we look at your career, I'm talking to Micah Hyatt. She's star, one of the, one of the many uh, stars of this series, uh, Snowfall, there's no FX that you can watch every Wednesday at 10 p.m. Your character, uh, real estate agent, uh, Getting, you know, your son, drug dealer, you know, your husband, a community activist. Um, we said the setting is 1985. I know L.A. really well. I, I lived in L.A. 15 years. So okay. when you say South Central, I know exactly what you're talking about. When you say Lamert Park, I know exactly what you're talking about. So the storylines made sense to me. And also, it's oftentimes sad to me because I knew exactly how, how those communities were affected by crack. And this, and it follows basically a true storyline where the government was selling drugs that they sold in the black community, in this case, South Central, Watts, and uh, the jungle, and used that to buy, fund the Nicaraguan war efforts and didn't care. Now, let's talk about your character and and build, and why is it important? Because this whole series bore off the backs of John Singleton, who is no longer with us. Let's talk about your relationship with John Singleton, how you were brought into the project, and then let's talk about the growth of your characters, the first three seasons leading into the fourth season. Um, The job came as a simple audition. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's how I've gotten most of the work that I've done. It was, you know, my manager said, you know, there's something coming along my table and I think you should look into it. So I auditioned. I had no, I, I mean, I, I heard that John was, was um, associated with it, but, you know, I didn't know John Singleton at the time. I certainly was a fan as so many people are, but that in and of itself, you know, it was a job. I was right. unemployed and I was looking for a job. You know, mm-hmm. I, 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 I take the romance out of it um, because I think sometimes the romance creates a, a, a separation between the artist and the work. So I I try my best when I'm telling my story Mm -hmm. to take all the fluff out of it so Mm -hmm. that it is recognizable to my fellow artists. And it, it, it is perceived as attainable because it absolutely is. Um, so I, what, once I got the job, I, I needed to understand uh, because I had, been a part of a story like this before, you know, right. being the wire, mm-hmm. I wanted to have an understanding of where is this going? Mm-hmm. Um, and John was so wonderful. It, he he came into my trailer and sat me down and said, okay, this is, 
the arc of her story. We don't know the new, you know, the details, you know, we flush out with, flush out with every seat, with every episode. Um, but this is the arc. And once I understood, once I understood that this woman represented his own life, the mm -hmm. women in his life, various women in his own life, in his own world, that I felt more comfortable because I, I know that I'm connecting to somebody that many people will understand mm -hmm. and, and will, will recognize and identify with. That was important to me. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, once, once John laid it out, I was on board. And, and I mean, this, this role, Sissy speaks to every mother. This right. is the experience, uh, whether, whether the issue is uh, you know, that your son is dealing, you know, crack or cocaine. It, th those are just symptoms. Those are just side things, really. Right. Mm -hmm. We're dealing with the struggle of um, the evolution of your child. You know, the, 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 the transition from childhood to manhood, the, 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 the transition from you setting his path to him taking the reins and creating his own path right. and who hasn't fallen and needed to get up in, in whatever way and, and the journey of how that works. And then the journey of the woman herself, who is she outside of being this young man's mother? Now he is at an age, you know, he, he, once you send them off to college, the, the, the empty nest syndrome, the, the, right. the who am I right. outside of being the mother? Right. And then the journey of, 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 of how do you navigate continuing to, because you don't throw them away, right? How do you navigate continuing to hold on to them, but needing to let them go? Mm -hmm. And then the, the, the journey of a relationship with, with the man that you have known since you were a young child, right. a young teenager, mm -hmm. uh, and and then that relationship falls apart and then it comes back together again. Mm -hmm. All of these beautiful things are, <laughs> are journeys that every woman can relate to. And I, it's tough. It's, 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 it's hard to do these scenes a lot of times. Yes. But I know that I'm speaking to every aspect of my womanhood mm -hmm. and many aspects of my sister's womanhood. So it, it's a journey that I welcome. Well, you do a fantastic job. And, you know, we, we, we talk about these characters. You know, when I look at the... It feels like I'm watching... Uh, every time I watch an episode of FX, it feels like I'm watching a short movie. It's yeah. the way it's shot, the grittiness... The language, you know, if you have a problem with the N word, don't look at it. Don't don't watch Snowfall, okay? If you they they there's, there's adult language on. I'm just talking because a lot of people see cable, they don't. But that's that's why I love about the series because as they say, the script is real, the tonage is real, the characterizations there is there is violence on this, and and I've never seen a black drama like this on television. And I think it's unique, you know, like, because the wire was something different. You know, wire was the different, it, it, it different. But this right here was it was different because it was tied to a family. 
And you guys are this family. And that's why I, I relate to the parenting aspect of what you're saying. Where the, where the Wire was about a lot of different people being caught up in the drug. It was about politicians. It was about the police and all that stuff. And then how they would manipulate numbers and say they were doing good and they weren't doing good. This is about you in particular, because you told Alton, I would do whatever I need to do to get my son out. It's about you and your relationship with your son. Please tell us about that relationship. Um, Franklin is, you know, as a mother, um, you 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 watch your child grow. Mm-hmm. And you can see their greatness um, from they're young, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and Sissy has always seen Franklin's greatness. She always knew she saw her husband in her child. Mm -hmm. She saw the leader that her husband Alton is Mm -hmm. in her son. And she knew it was only a matter of time that he would do great things. Mm -hmm. Um, and her whole life, she's been invested in that reality. So it is heartbreaking that when she, when she sees him take this turn. Right. And, and you see this struggle um, with him constantly trying to, you know, we talked about the, the, the change from episode two to episode three, um, where when she decides, I'm going to help you, you know, yes. because she tried. She tried to do the, the moral thing of mm-hmm. walking away and shutting yeah. the door and mm-hmm. saying, I am not with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it didn't work. You know, you, you tried, you tried a tactic, you're trying to save your child and it didn't work. This is not a woman who is going to walk away from her child for mm-hmm. real, for real. Mm-hmm. And when he got shot, it was, it was a natural. She went to his aid and now, and there was a discussion that, that we didn't film, but there was a discussion with Franklin and Sissy where Franklin says, mom, I'm trying to better our community. I'm trying to do the great things that we deserve. And I understood that. And it's a messed up way to get there. But one, nobody knew that this is what it would turn into. Mm -hmm. Franklin certainly didn't. We had no conscious, he had no, nobody in the country had any idea that crack was going to evolve in the way it does. We didn't have, uh, this was the first of its kind. So um, I understood what he was doing and why he was doing it because it follows the same path as his, as his father. And I was there with Alton during the black Panther journey. Mm -hmm. So I get it. So now it is, I understand the core of what you're doing. Let me help you try my best to do what I can to help you heal this and get out of this so that we can get back to our lives. And it's just that constant investing in your child because you believe in their greatness. If we can just get out of this mess, right? you know, and, and that's just the constant back and forth that happens with this family, with so many families. 
You know, the beauty of this series, you know, we're, we're talking about your family, but you have Irene, who plays the investigative reporter, that her character builds this season. And when she gets information about what's really going on. And like I said, you know, in a way, Franklin is caught up in something that, that was bigger than him. He mm. didn't know about what the government was doing. He didn't know that this was a calculated fundraising activity that the Reagan administration backed. It was tied to Oliver North. You know, all these names, you could, you could flip through the pages. The, the story's right there. Oliver North, he the one helmed the whole Nicaragua drug and selling drugs and guns and for those campaigns. And Ronald Reagan, they knew about all this going on. So, again, the black community was being used. Yes, they were selling drugs, but guess what? They were selling drugs and being fed drugs, uh, cheap drugs, by the way, on the culturally low prices so they can so they can uh, for a military effort. And so you had Irene. Then you have Teddy, Gustavo, who's crazy. And then you have all these. That's what makes the series so unique because I don't have to focus so much on your family. And poor Leon, he's trapped. You got Scully, his situation. All these, <laughs> Jesus, this boy, know all these characters. It, it's all these characters. They are so colorful that it's really, like I say, it's like watching a movie and it's so intense. And, you know, the scene where you was caught up with the police officer, you know, that was, I felt so nervous for you, Michael. Mm -hmm. I, I felt, I, I felt like, oh my God, you know, talk about that moment, not revealing exactly what went on, but my God, you, you sold that scene and I thought something bad is, was going to go down and some bad did go down, but not like we expected. But talk about preparing yourself for those moments because F, FX has allowed the series no snowfall to keep it real. Yeah. Yeah. Um, preparing for that, preparing for anything that comes up in this gut wrenching show. You really just have to, well, I just, ha I, I, I can't think about it too much. Really. Mm -hmm. I mean, in order to do this kind of work for me, uh, I have to throw ego out the window mm -hmm. um, and just allow myself to be very raw. Um, and whatever comes from that is what's going to come. Mm -hmm. And and in, in that, I trust that I, I know that it is the truth because I'm not trying to do anything. Mm -hmm. um, I, I learned my lines. I understand, obviously I understand the story. The, mm -hmm. the wonderful thing about this story um, is th this, this show is that it is filled with some tremendous writers. Yes. So it makes the work so easy because <laughs> I don't have to second guess what's on the page. Mm -hmm. I can fully lend myself to the words on the page because it, they write so beautifully. They write so truthfully. Um, and then, you know, it, it, it is uncomfortable. It, you know, this scene has already been aired, so it, it, I can talk about it. It, it. it was incredibly uncomfortable. It was all night. It was take after take. It mm -hmm. was, you know, in those damn handcuffs and it, in a graveyard, it was just. So, let me ask you. Let me ask you. How did they shoot you banging your head, though? 
when you was in the back seat of the Honda. In the back seat of this thing <laughs> over and over and over and over. <laughs> uh, I think I had a little noggin, but, but I didn't have to shoot for a few more days or something. So it was fine. And they kept saying, Michael, are you okay? Michael, are you okay? And I'm like, just. Because Susan, I say, you know, because, you know, I, I've, I've cast so many, I've been fortunate to be part of productions like that. And I go, she banged her head. Okay, what? How many times did he shoot this scene of her banging? Because he applies the brake. So I knew that was like, uh, in my mind, while watching the scene, I said, well, they could have shot it this way. No, I think she banged her head. <laughs> I try my best. I mean, you know, they don't have me doing a bunch of stunts or stuff, but I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, it's, it's just, I, I don't, I don't want the buffers or the stunt doubles or all that stuff. If I can do it, if, if it's remotely doable, I'm just mm-hmm. going to do it because I mean, it's just more truthful that way. We well, you know, unfortunately when I, I, I got to see, you know, Oliver North on trial, you know, mm-hmm. or, or about this whole situation, which that's why I say you're taking a, a true story and put it in a dramatic series, and you plan it. Some characters may be redeveloped, some may be fictional. But the beauty of it, this is a story about a mother's passionate love for her son, trying to get him a way out. And in the process, is she wrong? Is is Michael, is your character wrong? Is Sissy's character wrong in her approach? Because, you know, he does some things, especially to those bookstore owners, that was really cold. But... But tell us, are, is Sissy, are you are you wrong for leading them in that direction? Or are you just so determined to get him out? Boy. <laughs> oh, that's that's a deep question. And the only way I can answer it is um, wrong is in the eye of the viewer. But I tell you what, though, I... I I, yes, Sissy has compromised a great deal of herself. Yes. And it does not feel good. Yes. You know, it does not feel good. Um, Sissy has been compromising from, you know, even taking this job as the, 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 the manager, the, the property manager. Right. Um, with with Tolf, four Tolfuists who is as crooked as they come, <laughs> uh, turning a blind eye to that because mm. why? I need to put food on the table, right. and and I'm Alton's doing, not happy I, about that either. Your husband, right? I'm, and and you know, it, it, but yeah, it, right? And and it, it's it's. <laughs> You call him a snake in the grass, okay? <laughs> yeah, you know, and then and and then that gentleman, uh, whatever his name was. I mean, it, it, there is no doubt that Sissy looks at herself in the mirror yes. and realizes that this is not who she ever desired to be, ever meant to be. But it's a means to an end. Wow. And it is my son. And if I don't, who the hell am I going to be mm-hmm. that day when I turn away and say, no, I'm not doing it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I wake up and my son is dead. Wow. What, what kind of life? Who, who, who would Sissy be? Mm-hmm. And when, when she was faced with that reality, that death is the next option for her child, she had to compromise. 
but you know, it's, it's, it's always with the understanding that I'm doing this. I'm taking two steps back because I'm going to take three steps forward. Mm -hmm. And because of that vision of the steps forward for sissy, it's worth it. Wow. Uh, Mother knows best is season four. Mother doesn't always know best. Mama's trying her damnedest to make things work. This is true. But in a sense, because you give him orders, you, you you hear your husband complaining, so mother knows best there. Your son, you're directing him to do certain things, whether he, and what you, you're saying you're trying to get him out. Like I said, the beauty of this series is that it gives you so many different ways to portray how this community mm-hmm. is. Because you have a bookstore owners where you take away, that's a different form of drug dealing. You take them out of their livelihoods by doing a deal that they thought was an honest deal. So that's a, that's a way of just taking the community. And you told them to get that deal done. Your husband, Alton, tells you, mother knows best, that, hey, you're dealing with a crook, a snake in the grass. You go, stop that. I'll do whatever it takes to get my son out of this mess, out of this world, and get his life right. But the beauty of it all is, is that it's in 1985. You can catch it every Wednesday. You're an amazing actress. I, I, you have a beautiful smile. I don't see it that much on this episode, but my, my God, you are a mother that I would want because guess what? You're taking care of it. And, you know, when I look at shows like this, you know, because here's, here's I'm just going, this is my compliment. All my life, I've always wanted a black godfather. All I've like, all my life, I wanted to see it play out where there was love tied to the violence and why the violence, because this is good storytelling. And I finally got it. I wanted my soprano, okay? I have it. I have it in Snowfall. I have my soprano. And, and, and thank you. And thank you for allowing me to enjoy a series. Thank you for getting me involved. I feel so sorry for Leon. I don't know what's going to happen to him. Poor boy helped a little crack girl. Now he's sleeping on the streets. You know, you're up there plaiting his hair, braiding his hair. I'm so many stories. Irene going to get herself killed. I don't know. This newspaper, again, what I love about this show is I have so many times I can turn on the show. I know it's going to be two or three solid storylines that are going to get me emotionally involved. But more important, the storyline that I care the most about is your relationship with your son. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so very much. I am grateful to have the opportunity to reach you and all of yous. I am so grateful. Thank you for watching us. Absolutely. And I'm going to watch it every Wednesday, FX, 10 p.m., Snowfall. And this is a beautiful, talented actress by, by, you know, from Jamaica, parents in Britain, and came over in 10. She went to an HBCU. HBCU changed her life. And her son, he's going to go to HBCU, preferably Howard. But if he doesn't go to Howard, she, as long as it's an HBCU, she's cool with it. But more right. importantly, I love you. And, and don't change, okay? I love you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tomorrow's Mega Millions jackpot is over 300 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Hi, everyone. Al Roker here. As a guy with his own catchphrase, I appreciate that Smokey's only said, Only you can prevent wildfires. But I'm filling in because there's a lot more to report. Like when there are parched or windy conditions out there, you gotta be extra careful with things like burning yard waste. After all, wildfires can start anywhere, even in your neck of the woods. Go to SmokeyBear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention.
Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. What grows in the forest? Trees? Sure. Know what else grows in the forest? Our imagination, our sense of wonder, and our family bonds grow too. Because when we disconnect from this and connect with this, we reconnect with each other. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. My next guest, she's a celebrity. She's an industry decision maker. And she's somebody I worked with in the past. She is Portia Coleman. She's an accomplished actress, singer, and star on the Netflix series, Dad, Stop Embarrassing Me. I saw it. It's really funny. Portia's multifaceted career includes guest starring in reoccurring roles in hit TV series like Silicon Valley, Ballers, Good Girls, Switched Their Birth, The Parkers, Wild and Out, alongside my boy Nick Cannon. She played an addicted mother in the powerful T.D. Jakes film, Woman Die Out Loose. She is also a very familiar face. And I've never got a commercial, so I, I, I got to ask her how she does this. In Boost Mobile, Smart Car, Panda <laughs> Express, and Toyota. She's on the show to talk about her career and, most importantly, her starring role in the new Jamie Foxx Netflix sitcom, Daddy Stop Embarrassing Me. It premieres April 14th. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, Portia Coleman. How you doing, Portia? <laughs> Woo! I'm good. First of all, that intro was amazing. Thank you so much. Well, Portia, well, first of all, as they say, I don't lie. I tell the truth. I, he, you know, he keeps it 100. I heard yeah, it. It was all yeah, truth. Very much so. <laughs> you know, you know, I, I gotta just get the secret. I, I you know, I, I had a little career out there as an actor, and I really, oh. I, I kind of blew up as a producer and a writer. But I tried acting, and I auditioned for. <laughs> So many commercials, Portia. I don't know. How How do you get a commercial? How does one land a commercial? You know what? The commercial game is so tough, but it's all about the smiles. It's all about lighting up. Because remember, most commercials are 30 seconds. You don't right. have a lot of time. Mm-hmm. So you got to come out the gate in the audition room quick, get to the point, and then hopefully captivate them that fast. And then that's how you can get a commercial. Oh, really? You have, you have not given me any advice. I'm still long. So you're just saying, Rochelle, I'm gifted. I'm beautiful. I I, I got the natural no. instinct. I have what the people nah, want. Nah. No, no, no. I got to say that, Portia. You and Boost Mobile? <laughs> no, nah, it, it, it depends. Boost Mobile. Okay, here's the funny thing. Boost Mobile, I was required to talk really, 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 really fast. Okay. So I had to say a bunch of words within like 15 seconds. And right. I guess I was the best to do it because I booked that commercial. Right. And I was the one. Mm-hmm. Right. And then Miller Lite was just a beer commercial. Just the girl who was the, the cute bartender. So <laughs> it depends. But you still got to be able to get, deliver the dialogue and say it quick and, and make them love you quickly. Well, congratulations. You know? you, that, that's a skill set. And like I said, we uh, met on a sitcom many years ago when I was was uh, writing and producing consulting right before, right the same time period I was managing Steve Harvey. Comedy. You do comedy, yeah. you do drama. Talk about that. Mm-hmm. And now you're on a very successful drama, a comedy on Netflix starring my man, Jamie Foxx, because I was co-executive producer yes. on the Jamie Foxx series, along with Bentley Evans. I know Ken Whittingham. I know so many people on that show when I saw the, the cast and the production sheet. I was going, I need a check. I need a check. I know all these people. Where, where, where are you at? Exactly. <laughs> you know everybody. <laughs> so so talk about your ability. And that's it's about your talent. And that's why I really mm-hmm. wanted to interview you, because it's so diverse it's so it's so uh, it allows for you to not be intimidated by the audition opportunity talk about that ability to go from drama to go to sitcoms because they all have different shades they do have different shades and i like you you're speaking from an actor and producer standpoint it's like it's it's you call it shades and in the actors we call it tone so Mm -hmm. the tone of a drama is totally different than the tone of a comedy Mm -hmm. in comedy you're speaking faster you're moving faster the dialogue is 
is meant to one, two punch and then on to the next joke. Mm -hmm. When it comes to dramas, you know, it's like you have to set up the storyline. You have to deliver it differently. You have to deliver it slower a lot of times. So I think going back and forth between, you know, the Parkers a long time ago, when we did the Parkers fast forwarding to Silicon Valley, fast forwarding to Wild and Out, which is stand up comedy all the way to, you know, the movie I did with T.D. Jakes, Women Now Are Loose, all different tones, but still it's always the root of understanding the character and really bringing it to life based on their backstory, their age and their circumstances. And once you kind of delve into that, then you can just kind of play with wherever the character is going and where you feel like they should be at that moment in the scene. And then you had that, and I remember, uh, it's so funny, as I hear you talk, you was in that a movie with Mike Epps so the, with the janky promoters or something like that. <laughs> janky promoters. Oh, that, that, I sure that, was. You were so funny. <laughs> that movie is one of my, it's one of my movies when, yeah. I, when, I'm, when I'm going through at night and I got, I stop, right? I got to watch it. I got to watch it. So, so Janky you, promoters is janky and so funny. If y'all have not seen janky promoters, Mike Epps, Ice Cube are hilarious yes, Ice in this Cube, film. Ice Cube, Yes, yes, yes. I, I said, I know Mike Epps yeah. in it. Ice Cube was in it. And a lot of people know Ice Cube so is funny. funny. He is so Ice funny. Ice Cube is hilarious, right? Mm -hmm. People never think, they think hard Ice Cube, you know, you think he's mean and just like this hard guy. When you see him do comedy, and even when you saw him in Friday, like he was hilarious in Friday, but janky promoters, he's like this Afro wearing <laughs> slick talking promoter who's got to do what he does to rob Peter to pay Paul to get money for this concert. And it does not go well. And I let him know that I need my money. Don't play yes, with me. Yes. Don't disrespect me. Give my money. <laughs> yes. But the, that, that's why. So you, in a sense, I'm just letting the audience know before we get to the sitcom. You know, go, where does she yeah. come from? Does she, is she any comedy chops? How did they catch it? Yes. Because I don't want anybody to think you were trying because you were attractive. You know, because people do hey, that. Thank you. They do that. You know, they're, oh, she's a cute right? girl. They, they won't allow you no. your, your talents to shine. It's, Talk about getting that stereotype you. that happens all the time. and all, it, Because I, I, I've been fortunate to be a part of your career early on, mm -hmm. watch it grow, yeah. you know, tell the world about you. And then watching your smile, I went, janky promoters. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I think I'm very distinctive looking in a way because people, I, I don't care even now with the whole mask thing. If they see this, they see my eyes, they know my eyes. And then if, if I have no mask, it's like, oh my God, I know your lips and I know this face. And mm -hmm. it's like, I guess I'm recognizable, which I love. So mm -hmm. it's like, I'm distinctive. And all the parts that I've gotten have been various roles, of course, but in the same sense, it's all still it's a part of who I am every character that I've taken on and especially this one currently it's like it's one of the most you know the most exciting projects that I've been a part of just because of the dynamic that I've had so long with Jamie Foxx Jonathan Kite and of course now with David Allen Greer watching this family comedy is just going to bring such a, a warm you know feeling to you and then we need it right now during a pandemic who all doesn't need a comedy to laugh at right Ab absolutely and the reason I like it because Netflix is going into that African-American family comedy yes. sitcom drama that's right and I, and they, they're they going that way and I just knew when I started getting a bunch of calls they're like oh my god I watched you on the Parkers and I'm like okay it always is on TV but Netflix <laughs> got the Parkers they got girlfriends they got all these shows one-on-one -on -one that we used to watch on UPN that are now on the streaming service. And it's just a beautiful blessing to see how big these comedies, they, they took off. And Netflix was like, oh my gosh, black comedies are exactly what people want to see. And we'd already shot our show and to now follow along and, and, and follow that pattern. They're, they're really just truly, they've been mindful of just how much people want to see 
all types of families. Cause you, you could watch Bollywood on there. You can watch, you know, Korean movies. You could watch anything on there and their platform is so diverse and it's so inclusive. And that's why I love that we're there. We're a black family, but anybody can watch this show and relate to the homeboy that walks in, trying to go in your kitchen, getting some of your stuff right. or the dad who lives in the back house who might've been going through hard times or the sister who's just living with her brother, trying to, you know, be the best sister she could be while also being in the corporate world. We're all relatable just in different ways and anyone can watch it and, and, and feel a piece of them or someone they know in this show. We know, and I'm going to just uh, commend Netflix. I'm, I'm a fan of the network, streaming yeah. network, because one thing, it's, mm-hmm. it airs in 190 countries. And the reason I say that, yes. you know, I've, I've written on Sister Sister, I've written on Jamie Foxx show, I've written on The Parenthood, I've written on, and we've always been categorized as a black sitcom. And guess what? We were regulated either to low wattage stations or non-major mm-hmm. network station. And so now, yes. and even in black movies, you know, we were premiere, we would never go international on netflix no nope. you you're growing an international fan base portion come on now just on just now. like you're that to, but think about when we did the parkers mm-hmm. it was upn there was one network yeah. for all of our shows right one mm-hmm. right <laughs> it was girlfriends one-on-one the parkers and moesha you <laughs> right. had to just tune into that network mm-hmm. now you can watch you know shonda rhymes tv shows Ooh. and you see a carrie washington you see a viola davis come on, come on abc on. you know it's it's just, it's no longer one of us. I said, I used to be me. The token black girl on, on one show is the only one. I'm like, now, Ali, now you're, not, you're not the token black now, girl on this one now. You know, you know dad, stop now, embarrassing no. me. Okay, now here's my history. You know, I was a co-executive producer of the Jamie Foxx show that was on the WB. Yes. Bitly Evans uh-huh. hired me. Okay, and uh, nice. And that's, that's before I went over to the Parkers. That's where I met you. So that's a blessing in it. I have I have a twofold relationship with you, with Jamie it's Fox, so perfect. With with yeah. Bentley Evans, and then Ken Winningham. I know him from working on just various sitcoms when he was cutting his teeth as a director. And so, uh-huh, so nice. that's the beauty of it. I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, uh, so many names over there. Uh, Stacey Evans. I'm sure she's over there as yes. well. That's my girl mm-hmm. on the Parkers. That's so what I many people on the Parkers. Mm-hmm. I love Stacey Evans, Bentley, Ken Whittingham. It was really a family dynamic because I work with Bentley on other projects. Of course, Stacey, you know, with the Parkers, who's is not a part of this, but she's so supportive and so amazing. Mm-hmm. And David Allen Greer works with Jamie Foxx. I've known Jamie for 10 years. I've known Jonathan Kite for many years. It's all just a, a circle. And when you watch us on camera, I definitely feel like you you feel that because it's like, who doesn't go to Jamie Foxx's house and, and hang out and go to parties that he has? And <laughs> yes, yes. It, 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 I, you kind of tell people his parties are iconic. So on, if you on, haven't on. seen each other in a while, you can always see each other oh, at a Jamie oh, Foxx oh, party. Jamie Foxx threw so many parties. He had a swinging gate. It just fell off. That's how, that's how many parties he threw. He, he threw the gate open. The gate just, fell, the gate open, off. The gate just <laughs> fell on the ground. It just That's how many parties he was throwing. But this this is he a big so party on Netflix. It's called Dad Stopping Bar- Embarrassing Me. Yeah. I know Jamie. He goes off scripts sometimes. He wants to improv. I know him well. So how do you react to this amazingly gifted young man who goes off script but, but continues to move the comedy forward? And you have to make little small adjustments to not bust out laughing, not bust I'm laughing yes. and holding the script content moving forward. Talk about the experience of working with this brilliant young man. It is truly the definition of a master at work. He's a genius. I find him to be one of the most people, the most successful people and, and talented people I've ever met. I mean, yes. he sings, he writes, he produces, he directs, he he plays music. He's a comedian. He's a dramatic actor. There's nothing he can't do. So when you're on set with him and he deviates from the script, 
you got to roll with the punches because that might be a better version of what was written there. Right. And so many times in the script and in the show that you're going to see, there's a lot of moments that they left in there that were completely organic that Jamie did, that I did, that David Allen Greer did, that mm-hmm. Jonathan did, that mm-hmm. Kyla Drew did, mm-hmm. that got kept in because it was just organically in the moment and someone's reaction was just perfect on the spot for a new thing that they actually hit you with because your reaction was different. Because, you know, in acting where you do takes, you do takes three, four, sometimes five times. On certain shows, you might hit that one line that's different than what you thought it was going to be and your whole reaction changes and that's the money. So dealing with Jamie is just dealing with the master and knowing how to, you know, just be right next to him and just go right into the, to the mix of it. And I find him just to be so, so incredible at that, that. How do you not get lessons for someone who is so good at it? Like, I don't find anyone more funny than him, but also more diverse than him in the world of winning a Grammy. Or, or, or winning, um, you know, like an, an Oscar, Oscar. Come on and then now. recording amazing albums. Like his voice <laughs> is like to die for. So being next to him as his sister is like is unbelievable. You know, just listen to your enthusiasm. First of all, it shows on the screen, and it shows in your career. Yes, That's where you have a successful you. career. Now, the, the the portrayal of the women in the show. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's really excellent. I love Heather's character. She plays Stacy. She runs the company, yes. and she's kind of like the. If I'm reading this right, she's the voice of reason within the show. Correct. Yes, without talk, question. Yes, talk Voice about her character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Talk about her character. Oh yeah, Stacy is actually incredible because she is, you know, she's at this point she's running the company. She's trying to let Brian know certain things that he might have to do to make sure this company becomes successful. It's right. already successful, but if he wants to stay in that category of success and and, and building and growing into a, a different dimension as a company right listen to her and understand what i'm telling you you need to do but of course brian is hard-headed so brian doesn't feel like anything needs adjustments because he's already done well (laughs) right and i come in because i'm like listen i come from the corporate world you might want to listen to me here or there and we can both give you advice because you don't know it all and i like when he does actually ask us for certain advice and when he listens to us sometimes (laughs) sometimes <laughs> and then when he doesn't listen to us it's kind of like oh well we told you so you know we can right. just say that you should have listened to the women well you know it was really interesting about watching his career and watching the, the original hit sitcom that he had on w mm-hmm. called the jamie fox show this seems like yes. a grown version of that show because he was a single guy you know mm-hmm. uh, worked at a hotel and now he's yes. a, a business owner and he has yes. parent responsibilities. And so he has a sister yeah. who's, who, who's, who helps keep him straight, you know. Yes. And, then, and the thing that I love about the show, this is it's a black show. And I say that in a complimentary way because yeah. it talks about okay. black values and how important these black values resonate. And also, mm-hmm. it's really cool some of the storylines. And I would tell you this, Portia, you know, if I wasn't laughing, I was smiling the whole time I was watching this series. Aww. Nice. You Did you get that like feeling of like watching a family and saying, wow, this makes me feel good. And even the moments where you're like, no, he didn't. No, she didn't. You're like, oh, that was dope. Like you feel like every episode you might have learned something about, you know, uh, one of the characters that you didn't know before. But you also feel like, you know, someone that you can relate to that exactly is a, is a reflection of the person that you're seeing on screen, right? Absolutely. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, yeah. you know, because, you know, after the third episode, because, you know, I come in because I know Jamie. And I and yeah. I, I came in with an open mind because 
You know, I don't read yeah. any of the information. I know David Allegra is a fool, okay? So yeah, I, know, oh I know some foolishness going to come out of his mouth, but good foolishness because it's going to be funny. I know Jamie Foxx is going to break the third, fourth, fifth wall. And in this show, he talks to you. That's a really cool yeah. thing. He talks to you. So be prepared. Yeah. I don't think I'm giving away anything, but he talks to the audience, which is a really cool thing. And uh, and even yeah. even, <laughs> even even David Allegra yeah. character busts him on talking it's, to the it's, audience. It's, it's relatable. I I like to say that it, it kind of reminds me of even like the Bernie Mac show. Bernie Mac was the yes. father on the show. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And he had those moments where he's engaging with the crowd because it's like sometimes you got to say, self, let me talk to you for a second. <laughs> so whether somebody else is listening or on the other end of it, he's talking to himself and talking and thinking out loud. Right. You know, even though the, you know, the, the, the audience is understanding the reflection that they're seeing, it's still him talking through okay, what scenario? This could go bad. This could go right. What do I do? And then just going with it. And then of course we all have moments where we make the wrong decisions, but we're all there to pick each other up even in between those moments. Now here's an interesting thing about it. Uh, the dynamics of the characters, you know, the daughter, let's talk about the daughter, you know, the daughter okay. is, is not a real life version of his real daughter, but it's a, uh-huh. it's a, it's loosely a caricature. Based. Yeah, yeah, loosely, loosely based. based. It's a loosely based series uh, because uh, he was an actual entertainer. In real life, uh-huh. he wasn't a business owner yes. in real life. So uh-huh. when, you, when you sit down taking roles, we all want to work, you know, but we also mm-hmm. want an opportunity to shine. The opportunity yes. to show your singing in this series, did that, did that excite you? Oh, my God. It excited me because I felt like that was, ja- that was absolutely Jamie's doing. Mm-hmm. And I was just telling someone the other day, and you can see this on Instagram, and so many people have videos of it, you know, a couple months ago, or actually not even a couple months ago, this point was like a year and a half ago, even before we did the show, before I even knew I was going to be a part of the show, Jamie had one of those big house parties, had the band in the middle of his living room. And all of a sudden, Jamie was like, you know, play this song. So they started playing No Diggity. The band is like, don't, 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 don't. They start playing this song. So next thing you know, all of his friends, all his background singers are jamming this song. Jamie says, I got a thousand dollars for whoever knows the rap verse, the Queen Pins part on No Diggity. And I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute. How, how so I'm in my head like, yo, what do I know? I got this. So I tap Jamie. I'm like, I got it. And he's like, Portia Coleman, ladies and gentlemen, Portia Coleman says that Jamie Foxx, I mean, she says that she knows the Queen Pen verse. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, the band kind of took it down a little. So I start ad-libbing at first. Mm-hmm. I'm singing. So he's thinking like, oh, she's probably going to start singing. Right, right, right. I hit it with a rap verse and I'm singing in between. <laughs> the whole party loses it. And I'm like, oh my God, I guess it's it. He's all out. Everybody's saying, hey, uh, hey, uh, hey, uh, hey, yeah, yeah. Come on. Come like, we're doing on. all this kind of stuff in the middle of his house. Two months later, I get the call about the show. Of course, I auditioned, but mm-hmm. it was just one audition, and then right. I end up getting the role. Right. And then I'm seeing in one of the episodes that I'm singing, Jamie was like, "Oh no, we had to let you sing." Like, "Oh no, 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 we made sure we had to do that because like you're too talented. We got to put that in." So, uh, praying that, of course, you know, if all goes well and we do end up getting blessed with more seasons, that we're going to really tap into a lot more of that stuff because who doesn't love Jamie Foxx breaking into song? He's a master vocalist. So just to know that your sibling does the same thing. That's what me and my own brother do. Mm -hmm. We go into song all the time and Mm -hmm. he's Jamie's age and he also sings and was a former athlete. So I feel like I was perfect for this because of the similarities between them and him. Well, you know, the beauty of uh, watching the talented person, first of all, my compliments are coming from a real source. Okay. Yes. You know, everybody. So (laughs) we know it's coming from a place of understanding of who we are individually and then seeing it. So I appreciate that. And it just seeing when you were going through that, you know, on the boat, on that boat in that video, you know, (laughs) okay. 
Because <laughs> hey, uh, it, hey, uh, it, yes. it was the funny part. I remember way back in the, when I was when I was co-executive producing Jamie Foxx. He hasn't changed. We used to do. He no. used to host a uh, amateur night or like a karaoke night way back in the day. And Whitney was it Houston, up Ventura? Yes, it was, it was it was on Sunset. I can't remember the name. It was on Sunset, oh. and Whitney Houston okay. came in there and did a karaoke song and brought it down. So he he has not changed. He's still brilliant. He's not. You, you being a part of this, it wraps it all together. David Allegria, I got to let, let you tell us about working with that fool, David Allegria. Oh, you know. my gosh. Well, to me, automatically, when I heard David Allegria was a part of it, I said, wait, Jamie Foxx and David Allegria reuniting on camera? Oh, my God, is what I said. Because I'm like, who didn't watch A Living Color and grow up watching their characters thinking, these men are just incredibly talented. And then when you were around Jamie the first day, like on set, Jamie was like, you guys don't understand. I wasn't the funniest person on the show. David Allen Greer was the funniest person on the show. And I was trying to be like him. And David Allen Greer sitting there talking and they're just really going back and forth about their stories. Mm -hmm. And when the camera rolls, David Allen Greer is, is a fool. Like he, we always talk about his wardrobe every day. He comes in his overalls to set. He's, he's like a farmer. He dresses like the farmer yeah. guy. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Come on set. Yes, yes. And when it's time to play, David Allen Greer turns it all the way on. And when you're off camera, he's talking. I mean, from he's just brilliant as, as an artist and an individual. I mean, he's on Broadway. He's done movies. He's done television from the Carmichael's. Like, he's brilliant when it comes to this art art form in general. But putting them together now as father and son is something that is is just mind-blowing for people to really watch them after all this time together. And he is comedically just funny just walking in somewhere he walks in the way his stature is and his beard that he has i'm absolutely. sure that you see mm -hmm. absolutely well, you know, it's the, amazing it's, it's amazing this is it's beautiful thing that's right we're talking about netflix new jamie fox series dad stop embarrassing yes. me season one is eight episodes. Yeah, all i gotta say is this i'm a i'm a i'm a hard critic former stand-up yes. so i look everything i'm a writer I got friends on yeah. here. I got to look at it from perspective. They 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 not my friends. You guys no. you guys are delivering it. If uh, make sure you have binge watching time because on Netflix you can yeah. sit there just like I did last night. I went from episode to episode 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 episode. Everything. Did I, you watch the you watch the whole thing? Absolutely, absolutely. You know they tell you not to yes. do any spoilers. They say spoilers to avoid. So I'm not even gonna mention anything in the episode. Netflix ain't cutting off my <laughs> Netflix card. Right. You're not, You're not gonna give away the spoilers, no, but no. you watch it top to bottom. Right? It's took you on a journey, right? But it's a journey, and that's why they always say it's yeah. a real black experience. It's a black experience yes. because Bentley has the ability to write real storylines in a comedic fashion. And because they, right. Jamie Foxx doesn't run from that either. So it's a story. It's a lot mm. of things that are in this that are really um, – that uh, that it plays out in our media airways today. It is told mm -hmm. and plays out on this show. And you are fantastic. That's a blessing. You are fantastic. Oh, and I just want to if we have, you. if we go back to having a live audience, which of course we couldn't because of COVID, <laughs> you got to come and hang out and, you know, just rock with us. Because, I mean, look at how crazy it is for all of us to be on the show and you have every interaction with all of us individually. That would be a blessing. So, praying that we get an audience season two and if we get a season two, then you're going you to get a season two. I'm telling you, your boy was smiling, laughing, smiling. I told my staff this morning when I came in, they said, Richard, you look tired. I said, I've been watching uh, the show. I was watching the show. All day, you know, <laughs> the, the heck with March Madness. The heck with March right. Madness. You walking into work like, right. Richard, you know guys, I'm I'm sorry, guys. So they, they asked me, well, how was, they said, how was Dad stop embarrassing me on Netflix? I said, well, I smiled the whole time. I couldn't take a smile mm -hmm. off. I laughed. Because that is really a testament to me that, that 
Yes. That you just smiling and your face is in a positive. And that's what we need today. And Netflix has delivered yes. an incredibly funny series starring Jamie Foxx, starring Portia Coleman. Yes. You're brilliant. Your, your, your career is a testament to your success. And uh, next time Thank you get a commercial, you. Rashawn, this is how I got that next commercial. Maybe you can try it with You know what I'm saying? I got you. I'm going to work with you on some commercials. I need a commercial mo- mo- mojo, mojo that nah, you I need. Think, I, I need the mojo. You. I need the mojo. Portia, thank you. April 14th. You. Everybody thank can see you. Thank you so 190 much. 190 countries. Shout out to see you. you. 190. Them pretty eyes. All that. They're going to know who you are. Come on, girl. Hey, y'all. Bye-bye, Portia. You're That's fantastic. Right. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Okay. Bye, Sean. We will be right back with more money-making conversations with your host, Rashawn McDonald. If I could be you. And you could be me. For just one hour. If you could find a way. To get inside. Each other's mind. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. We've all felt left out. And for some, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. And we're live here outside the Perez family home just waiting for the... And there they go, almost on time this morning. Mom is coming out the front door strong with a double-arm kid carry. Looks like Dad has the bags. Daughter is bringing up the rear. Oh, but the diaper bag wasn't closed. Diapers and toys are everywhere. Ooh, but Mom has just nailed the perfect car seat buckle for the toddler. And now the eldest daughter, who looks to be about 9 or 10, has secured herself in the booster seat. Dad zips the bag closed, and they're off. Ah, but looks like Mom doesn't realize her coffee cup is still on the roof of the car. And there it goes. Oh, that's a shame. That mug was a fam favorite. Don't sweat the small stuff. Just nail the big stuff. Like making sure your kids are buckled correctly in the right seat for their age and size. Learn more at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. What grows in the forest? Trees? Sure. Know what else grows in the forest? Our imagination, our sense of wonder, and our family bonds grow too. Because when we disconnect from this and connect with this, We reconnect with each other. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Hi, I am Rashawn McDonald, host of MoneyMakingConversations.com. The Cafe Mocha Swag Award is a celebration of black men who are making a difference in our community by empowering others to reach their life goals. From civic leaders, businessmen, activists, celebrities, and everyday dads. The Cafe Mocha Swag Award winner this week is Lecrae. Being a two-time Grammy Award winning hip-hop artist and best-selling author, Lecrae realized the wounds we all carry have the potential to be unlikely guides to healing and freedom for ourselves and others. His new book, I Am Restored, is an inspiring charge to embrace the lasting healing and restoration available now and that we all desperately long for. Because no matter what you've experienced, God is near, He hears, and He's not done with you yet. Uh, for me, it was, a, it was a matter of becoming a healthy, whole individual and dealing with some historical traumas and recognizing that, you know, I was a slave to what other people wanted of me and not being who I was created to be. The Cafe Mocha Swag Award represents men who have strength, whose wisdom is assertive, and who is genuine in their spirit. Welcome back to Money Making Conversations with your host, Rashawn McDonald. My next guest, he's a CEO. 
He's an entrepreneur. And more importantly, he's an industry decision maker. That's a person, a change maker. My next guest is Xavier Peoples. He's a private wealth advisor at Capital Group Private Client Services. Xavier works directly with high net worth individuals and families to create customized plans for protecting and growing their wealth. He has been recognized by Black Enterprise 100 Modern Man and Atlanta Voice 50 Under 50. Today, he is the founder of HBCU Change, focused on raising $1 billion for HBCUs over five years. HBCU Change is a Black-owned app that rounds your purchase to the next dollar and donates the change to your historical Black college or university, which is an HBCU of your choice. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations. He didn't ever attend an HBCU, but he's like me. I did not attend an HBCU, but my passion and my uplift is about creating change. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, Xavier Peoples. Glad to be here today. You're sporting, the, you're sporting the support. You've got the HBCU cap on. Man, I swear you must have went to like FAMU, a Mo House, a, a Howard, a Tennessee State, a Jackson State, Mississippi Valley State, Grambling, Prairie View. Oh, man, Texas Southern. I I, I, I can run out of names. There's 104 of them, but I know them all. How about you? Can we take a, can we do like a HBCU, uh, uh, Tim? You know, you name HBCU, I name HBCU. Then we see who PWI attendee right out of schools. <laughs> how you doing, sir? I'm doing awesome. How you? How are you doing today? We're great, man. I'm great because I'm talking to, to an individual uh, who's trying to create change. You know, 2020 was a was a was a even before she was announced as a president, uh, vice president elect by uh, Joe Biden. You know, HBCUs came to the forefront of acknowledgement by a lot of large donations from a lot of wealthy people in 2020 during the pandemic. What's your take on that, Xavier? What, what I'll say is the, the big donations are good, and we applaud the big donations again and again and again. And I, and I will tell you, most schools would applaud big donations as well. But there are a couple of things that I need to point out. Number one, those big donations seem to go to the same five to 10 schools over and over again. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the mid-sized to small-sized schools that are in really need of those donations are, are and that are at the highest risk of closing, they really never get those donations mm -hmm. at all. So that's one point that I want to make. Mm -hmm. Number two, if you talk to those institutions that receive those big donations, Oftentimes, those big donations fill an immediate need and close an immediate gap. Mm -hmm. And then the next year, they still need those big donations to come on in again mm -hmm. to keep the operational budget going and keep the school going as a whole. And so what HBCU changes, it gives schools consistent donations on a daily basis that will be the foundation of that school's operational budget to keep their doors open day in and day out. That's what this is all about. And I, I agree with you, you know, but uh, like, the, like the United Negro College Fund, there's 104 uh, HBCUs that are accredited. There's a, three more that are unaccredited, which will get you up to 107. Yep. Okay, but like the United Negro College Fund, I think it represents like 37 of the HBCU schools. I know it's no more than 40. So yeah. there's uh, over 60 schools that are not getting any opportunity from any donations that are made to the United Negro College Fund. A lot of people don't know that. 
unless you go to the sure. website. They don't publicly say, hey, give you money, but only a few schools are going to get it. And this is about trying to uh, spread the wealth, as we all talk about within the black community, trying to give everybody a shot at being successful. What, what brought this concept to you? But before we even get to that, let's talk about your background. Okay, now sure. you went to undergraduate. I think you said the University of West Georgia? Yes. And then yes. You, undergrad, mm-hmm. undergraduate at University of West Georgia, mm-hmm. um, born and raised here in the city of Atlanta. And so as you can imagine with the historic HBCUs here in Atlanta, they're, they're very close in proximity to me. But then more importantly, they're very near and dear to my heart. Um, my, my dad, he attended Savannah State University. My wife attended Spelman. My sister-in-law attended Spelman. And so I'm surrounded by HBCU grads day in and day out. Okay, so you're yeah, Spelman, they, you know, no, I know they're looking at you. Mm-hmm. Savannah <laughs> State, mm-hmm. Mr. I know you got a scholarship, Mr. Athlete, you know, went on down there and played a little football, but then you came and you went to Cal. Now, now I, I'm having fun with this because, see, I went to the University of Houston, and, yes. I, I, and I've done many campaigns with Stephen A. Smith, got him to be the uh, uh, brand ambassador for HBCU Week, for yeah. Ashley Christopher, Christopher's Foundation, we've done two big events on ESPN where we raised, uh, well, students have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships. Over awesome. 2,000 have been registered on the spot. So it's about passion. It's about belief. It's, un, it's not about, and this interview is more about letting every, everybody know that if you didn't go, don't don't feel there's a need not to be a part of change, a part of opportunity. That's what this interview is about, because you and I both know we never attended, that we're very familiar with, hey, I went to the University of Houston. Texas Southern was in walking distance right down the street in Third Ward. Prairie View and was 45 miles north of me. And so my school, when my, my, my senior class, half my senior class went to Prairie View. Yep. And so, so I'm very familiar with the HBCU brand, but at the time that wasn't, I wouldn't even say, you know, I went to Southern University, I went to their uh, freshman class induction ceremonies to be uh, admitted uh, to be admitted as a freshman in Baton Rouge. So I, I, I experienced it, I didn't close on it, but that doesn't mean I can't continue to do my part to support it. And that's really what's driving you, correct? A- absolutely, because at the end of the day, when, when I was coming out of high school, I actually wanted to go to Morehouse, but I couldn't afford to go to Morehouse. Mm-hmm. And so um, there, there wasn't any scholarships or anything like that that I could find at that time that made it affordable and made financial sense for me to to go to Morehouse. But obviously, um, athletics played a part into what drove me to a, a, another school. But I think if those financial opportunities were there, I would have gone to Morehouse. So that's one thing. I know you asked uh, another question earlier about my background and kind of how that relates mm-hmm. to HBCU change and how we got here today. Mm-hmm. Well, the way this actually started was um, my company, Capital Group, largest active money manager in the world, and we managed literally billions of dollars for institutions of higher learning, their endowments and foundation. And so we're sitting in a conference room one day, and I just asked a simple question. I said, how many historically black colleges and universities endowments do we manage? Because they can truly benefit from the relationships, the resources, and the research that we provide these other institutions of higher learning. And to my surprise, the answer was zero. Mm. So I got on a plane, went all over the country just to talk to HBCUs about who we are, what we could do for them, how we could truly help them. And they all stopped me in my tracks and said this. They said, hey, the research, the resources that you can provide, that's great. But we have an issue getting our alumni to consistently give back to the institution. If we can solve for that, then we can take advantage of this stuff that you're talking about today. And so I came home and it quickly went from my daytime job to a passion of mine. 
And I said, let me figure out how I can help these schools out because they really need some help. I sent out a survey to 5,000 HBCU alum and I asked two simple questions. Why don't you give back to your school? Why don't you give back to your school on a consistent basis? And then to my surprise, the number one answer in that survey was, we don't give back because we've never been asked. Followed by, we don't give back because we don't believe that we can give an amount that would have an impact on the school. Mm-hmm. And going back to your, your first question, I would like to say that, you know, we hear about these big mega millionaires and billionaires writing these huge checks to HBCUs. I tend, believe, I tend to believe that that has a double-edged sword and it plays on the psyche of the average alumni and the average supporter of HBCU. And they believe that if they're not cutting the million-dollar check or even the $1,000 check, that their $5, $10, or $20 a month isn't having an impact on the school. And so what HBCU Change wants to let everyone know that if we're all giving change on a monthly basis to our HBCU, those cents adds up to dollars, those dollars adds up to millions, and it can have a tremendous impact on each historically black college and university in this country. You know, it's really uh, interesting how you're taking that and to just bring a point out another non-HBCU uh, person who's out there shining a bright light is Chris Paul, NBA All-Star yes. Chris Paul. He's Absolutely. doing, In fact, he's doing a joint venture with Stephen A. Smith that's airing on ESPN Plus called Why Not Us about yep. the uh, North Carolina Central State University. North Carolina Central University. They call me state, boy, they come and get me for that. North Carolina Central University's uh, rise to the uh, run on the March Madness basketball season, which nice. COVID really messed up, but that makes for a good story, and the series is on now ESPN+. Plus. Now, when I, when I look at you and, and I look at the whole prospect of, you know, donations, because you, you graduated from Cal, I graduated sure. from the University of Houston. I know exactly what they're talking about. They sure. constantly ask me for money. They constantly sure. ask me to speak. They constantly ask me so much that I eventually wrote a check for $250,000, okay, yes. for an endowment. So I, I, there has to be a plan in place, and it has to be people built it. I remember, I remember the president of my school said she had a billion-dollar campaign she wanted to be in place. She said she wanted to bring a medical school to the campus of the University of Houston. That was, I remember she approached me in 2012 because I was doing the Steve Harvey talk show in Chicago and I hosted an event for her when she was in Chicago. And guess what? Fast forward 2020, there's a, she's passed the billion dollar fundraising mark. She has a, we have a medical school on the campus of the University of Houston. Yep. That is absolutely true. You have to have a plan in place. What I don't want people to do is act like black people don't want to give. Black people don't want to support. How are you asking and what plan long-term, not some short-term, long-term nurturing plan that you have in place to get, get black people to give or donate on a regular basis? Uh, what are your thoughts? So um, it, it's funny. Uh, I received a, a call from... Princeton not too long ago, mm-hmm. and they've seen the um, publicity that we've received for HBCU change, mm-hmm. and they just wanted to kind of talk to us about what we're doing and how we're galvanizing so many people to download our app, make their debit and credit card, and give change back to historically black colleges and universities. But the thing that struck out, stuck out to me the most during that conversation, I just asked the question, I said, how many people do you have in your your office of advancement, which is typically in charge of raising money for the school? And they told me that they had 149 individuals that work in that department that are solely focused on raising money for the endowment and the operation of that school. Typically, at um, historically black college and university, they have one or two people. Yes. Okay. 
And mm-hmm. so what we what we need to do is immediately is, and I'm sure University of Houston, they probably have probably upwards of a hundred or yeah. so people who are mm-hmm. in charge of that as well. And so we need to be able to raise money for this these historical black colleges and universities so they can build out their infrastructure and their apparatus to actually target and go after these individuals to raise money. Another thing that we're doing here at HBCU Change is we're becoming an extension of the school by helping these schools to organize data. You can't raise money if you don't have good data on your alumni and your supporters and you know where are these individuals geographically located. Do you have good email addresses and good phone numbers on these individuals to contact them, to ask them for money, and to organize to raise money? And so what we're creating is a dashboard and a database for each HBCU so they can have the the foundational infrastructure to build it out and to raise more money for their school in the home. Now, here's, here's, here's the key conversation in all this, okay? You told me the background, private wealth advisor, one of the largest capital group private client services. Got that. Yeah. Then you yeah. say, hey, I went around several colleges and find out what's going on. They say they are, this app that was designed, is yes. it your app or is it tied to capital or group private client services, or how did that come out? How did the development of that app come about, and what makes it secure? Because that's what people always thought. You know, I don't. It's, Great you know, question. you got the Russians attacking. They talking about fake, fake voting. You know, it's so much distrust sometimes in technology that you, when you hear something new like this that's positive, how do you work yourself through that process? But tell us how it all got started from a technical standpoint. Absolutely. So, no, this app does not have anything to do with Capital Group at all. Mm -hmm. This is solely um, an app that I've bootstrapped and financed out of my pocket. And I have Mm -hmm. a great team of eight individuals around me who help to build out this app. Shout out to my guy, Troy Wilson, who is the actual developer of this app. Now, when it comes to security, uh, we have two of the most secure platforms out there. The same platforms that you use for your online banking we use for HBCU change as well, and that is Plaid and Stripe. And so Plaid and Stripe are the most secure platforms out there when it comes to cyber cybersecurity, particularly in uh, financial technology. And our app is just secure as your online banking. That's how we pretty much describe it when we're talking to the end user. Right. And that's important, the end user. So, so one uses this. So now we're getting into the tech now, the application part. Because you're yeah. saying that by using this, the change, it rounds it up. If you spend 45 cents, it'll round it up to a dollar, I'm assuming. And that 65, that, that, that 55 cents will be donated or go into a, a, an account or to the school of your choice. How does that work there? Yeah, so great question. Again, you're right. You buy a cup of coffee for $3.50, right? Mm-hmm. So we round that transactions up to $4. Mm-hmm. That 50 cents goes to the HBCU of your choice. So you will go in and you will link your debit and or your credit card to the app. And basically every transaction that you have, we're rounding every one of those transactions up to the nearest dollar. And we're giving that change to the HBC of your choice. What we found on our app is that the average person gives about $27 per month per card on the app. So Mm -hmm. if you have your debit card connected based on all the transactions, you have on a monthly basis, more than likely when you round up that change, you're going to give about $27 per month. So using Clark Atlanta as a uni- as an example, Clark Atlanta has 40,000 alumni 
um, at Clark Atlanta University. Right. If we were only get 10,000 of those individuals to sign up and on average, they're giving $27 a month. That's $3 million a year going to Clark Atlanta University, which ultimately has a, a huge impact on Clark because that's money that they otherwise were not getting on an annual basis. Okay. Now I'm, I'm Xavier. I'm speaking to Xavier. You know, he's the developer of HBCU change. It's this app. And his goal is to raise $1 billion for HBCUs over five years. So I'm really trying to, I'm not, I'm not trying to grill on you. I'm just trying to see how it works. No, let's because, talk about it. I'm, I'm ready for it. Okay, because, you know, because, okay, now, because I, I use my credit card. I go in. This is using your credit card, right? Yes. I go you into credit card. credit in your debit card. Okay, That's cool. Correct. I go into, let's say, Lowe's. I went in Lowe's yesterday. I, put, I bought some plants. I paid for my plants. How, how does it get to the me paying for my plants with my credit card to the app? That's, that's the part that's confusing me. All right. Good question. So what happens is you would do your daily transactions. Once your daily transactions, the change from your daily transactions, once it totals five dollars, mm-hmm. then immediately that money goes from your your bank account right to your school's Stripe account. Right. Okay? And from there, it, it starts over again. So every transaction you make, once those roundups total five dollars, that's when the money transfers from your bank account to that school Stripe account. And that's but you understand what I'm saying? What I'm saying is that I hear the roundup. I hear where it's going to go. I'm, my disconnect is becoming like when I charge the credit card and the app. They're two different things, okay? How yeah. does the app know I've made a charge? I guess that's the question. I apologize. Oh, good question. No, no worries. So, all right, I'm, I'm going to back up a little bit and try okay. to explain it just a little bit better. And okay, that cool. is you have, let's just say, say you have multiple credit cards, right? Yes, sir. So you have your multiple credit cards, and then you have your funding source, which is essentially your checking account. Right. So that what the app does is it looks at the transactions that you have on your credit card, and it says, okay, you went to Starbucks and bought coffee for $3.50. We're going to hold this $0.50 cents to, to the side. Mm-hmm. You went to Lowe's, and you bought a flashlight for $27.75. We're going to hold this $0.25, 25 cents cents. to the mm-hmm. side. And then once all of those transactions total $5, then it triggers for that $5 to move from your checking account to your school Stripe account. So if you want to um, support Texas Southern, right. for an example, it goes from your, your checking account to Texas Southern's Stripe account, and then Texas Southern takes possession of that $5. Now, you sit on a lot of boards, you know, most notably Citizen Trust Bank, Advisory Board, the Atlanta yes. Police Foundation, Young Guns Board. So yep. you always have been involved. You've always wanted to give back. Why is that important to you? And I'm not just talking about HBCU, but you have a you have a built-in, you know, DNA of, 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 of saying, I, I, my success is great, but helping other people to be successful is even better. So, so there are a couple of things to that. N- number one, when you see issues in your community, you know, a lot of times you just have to ask the simple question, what are you going to do about it? And the best way to uh, contribute to being a part of the solution is just being that, a part of the solution and getting involved on boards that makes decisions on the impact on your community day in and day out. So mm-hmm. that's one. Number two, I live, a, I believe in reciprocity, and that is um, what you give out you get back. And I believe that I'm blessed in my life because I give, I give, I give, right. and I give more. And so I would never have to want or wait on anything because I've already put the good energy out into the atmosphere. And then lastly, I love my people. 
And at the end of the day, I think that that's the most important thing that I have love for black, historically black colleges and universities, black businesses, Mm -hmm. black institutions, the black church, period, because I understand that I am who I am because of those institutions. And and yeah, you're right. I did not go to HBCU, but more than likely the person that came before me, the first private wealth advisor, the, the, the first private banker, probably had some connection or, or went to a historically black college and, and university. And so that's not lost on me at all. And so I understand the importance of these institutions. And so I feel that it's my obligation to support these institutions day in and day out. Yeah, your father went to Savannah State, which is HBCU. Your wife went to Spelman. You know, you an HBCU, HBCU change has secured partnership with brands like Seagram's Gym, Watch the Yard for Creative Program. Tell us about that and, and, and also your speaker series, Keys to Growth. Absolutely. So we'll start with Keys to Growth. Keys to Growth is beyond just raising money for HBCUs, we want to give the schools, the administration, the alumni and supporters, good information that they can use. You know, it's one thing, the old saying that um, you can give someone a fish and they can eat for a day, but you can teach them how to fish and they can eat for a lifetime. What we do is we go out and find the best thought leaders in the world and we do a monthly conference for those thought leaders to come and give great information to HBCUs, presidents, administration on how they can better monetize their brand, how they can use finances to better leverage those finances to to better position HBCUs over the long haul. And so um, our our most recent um, Keys to Growth series, we had Damon John from Shark Tank and a gentleman by the name Mm -hmm. of Gary Vanderchuk, who's a a, a marketing genius. And he talked to HBCU presidents about um, using licensing to um, leverage their brands and to make money. Most recently, we've seen um, Nike and LeBron James um, partnership with Florida A&M University. Mm-hmm. And that's a great example of how um, an HBCU um, partnered with Nike and they're going to use their licensing um, brand to ultimately make money for, in this case, the athletic program at Florida A&M University. Well, you know, when you have an app trying to generate revenue called HBCU Change, it's natural to come to money-making conversations. Okay, we talk talking money-making conversations. How are you getting it out? Because I'm definitely going to drop this in my newsletter, and I got a platform called HBCU Awards that's uh, it's about black excellence. Yes. If you can go there, it's hbcuawards.com. I'm going to feature you. this on there. I'm going to get my staff to sit down with you and see if we can put this on our website. And uh, because I think this is really cool, uh, my executive producer, she's a HBCU grab Hampton University. Uh, my social media person, she's from Savannah State, as yep. you said earlier, for your father attended at HBCU. So, but I think this is something that uh, you you'll hear from her because if this is something I want you to go, it's called HBCUawards.com. It promotes black excellence in the in the area of academics as well as black excellence overall. It's a combination of what we're talking about, you know. I, uh, we talk about barbershop, beauty salons, uh, uh, STEM programs at academics. We talk about the marching bands. We talk about all the business schools. We talk about everything that involves and excels, the medical side, the nursing side of HBCUs. And so that's what I'm about. And so when I see something like that, if this is an opportunity for us to promote and give you another relationship that's legitimate, that brings credibility to your brand, we should talk. 
and we should talk about uh, giving you a link and it goes to your website and let people figure out how to register and also put you in our newsletter. But HBCU Awards, we're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And uh, uh, Samantha Taylor, my AP of the show, Money Making Conversation, is the one who brought you to my attention. She said, Richard, he's kind of like you. He's not yeah. an HBCU grad. I, I feel you guys should connect, and that's why you're on this call. But more importantly, you're on this call so us, you can use our synergy to help your brand win, because our goal is just to get these young people an opportunity to get a higher education, spending the least amount of money. Absolutely. And, 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 our, and our goal is to raise a billion dollars for HBCUs over the next five years. You know, a lot of people say a billion dollars. How can you do it? Why are you even trying to do it? And I always say that you, the how is by having these conversations that we're having right now and mm-hmm. getting the awareness out to on it as many platforms as possible so people can know that, hey, this is the goal and we can do this and we can achieve this goal in five years. Mm-hmm. And so I'm excited and I, I want to say that um, I owe you the, the deepest gratitude as possible. And I, and I count it an honor and a privilege for you to allow me to sit here and be on your platform today because I know you have a huge platform and, and I feel that it's important for uh, me to get on this platform and, and, and give the HBCU gospel and HBCU change gospel and let people know that just a couple of cents can go a long way in supporting HBCUs over the, across this nation. Well, not only a couple of cents, but you know, your brand. And so that's why I'm sitting up here looking, as, as doing this interview, throughout this whole interview, Xavier, I'm just thinking, how can I help him? How can I do it? And I went, you know, so let's, let's put a link on the website, because I have a yeah. link already already that goes to Dr. Teresa Price, and she does the Black Expos. Okay. And the Black nice. Expos, you can register on the spot. And so yeah. that's that's another opportunity I'll probably connect you with her, you know, because just trying to associate your brain, because we all got the bottom line, man. We're just trying to help these young people to that's go right. to get education and change their lives effectively. You know, give them yeah. an upper hand. You can go to college and I'm not saying you have to complete complete your education, but I'm just telling people, go to college because college changed my life. I'm not going to lie to you, Xavier. I would yeah. not be the man. It took me seven years to graduate now. Don't tell me. It wasn't, it wasn't an in and out now. It wasn't an in and out now. But, it, but because I went there, I saw so much more to what I saw growing up in a black neighborhood. I saw yeah. so much more. And uh, that, that diversity of being able to communicate with so many different people, people who look like me, people who didn't look like me, allowed me to be the person I am as a father, as a parent, as, as a husband. All those good things as a business person has led me to do through education. And that's, that's right. this, this, this interview is about education. And right. HBCU is the brand that's being underserved, underrecognized for the black excellence and the contributions. Because, you know, I always tell people, 80% of the congressmen are black, HBCUs. 80% of yeah. the doctors. HBCUs, you know, seventy percent of the of the of the of the, of the teachers. It's, it's just a list that goes on and on. How Absolutely. a small population of students graduate from HBCUs, but they dominate the black workforce. That's, That's powerful, right. brother. That's powerful. That's right. That's right. And and imagine if HBCUs were not around. Yes. Then where would we be as a community? Right. With those stats that you just rattled off. Mm-hmm. And like you said, there are many more stats that essentially HBCUs are the bedrock of the black ecosystem and the black economy. And so um, without HBCUs, we're nothing and, and, and they're needed. And so we need to do any and everything to, to do two things. Number one, um, supporting HBCUs and, and people kind of being a drum major for HBCUs. That's that's a trend, right? That's in bold mm-hmm. right now. It's our job to make sure that it's not just a trend, 
but it's mm-hmm. something that's here to stay for decades and generations to come. Yeah, I like I said, I, I'm developing HBCU radio network. You know, so far I'm up to 13 stations with money making conversations. So I'm telling you, man, I'm on a mission. That's why I love talking yeah. to you, brother. I'm on a mission to make change, and uh, and I'm a you. You already got your thing happening, but brother, anything I can do for you, Xavier, I am going to do. That's why I'm letting you know my newsletter, my website, my social media, and plus I got a, my radio network that goes. It's an hour show that that I program exclusively for HBCU, so you know this interview will be on that platform as well as my national talk show platform. Nice. Well, I'm looking forward to tapping in with both you and your team. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm ready. So let me know when and where uh, both me and my team will be there. Okay, cool. Well, my office is here in Atlanta, Georgia. So I'm, I'm based in Atlanta. I'm nice. up in Peachtree uh, Corners, Georgia, which okay. is Norcross. So we'll yeah. definitely connect. And I got to go to Atlantic City this weekend. But next week, we'll try to connect. So I just start sitting. You know, everybody knows my brand and what I'm trying to do. I've been fortunate in this business to uh, uh, be uh, perceived as somebody who's successful. So uh, I, I use that talent uh, uh, to uh, be able to give other individuals like you platforms. And that's what Money Making Conversation is. Okay? Thank you so much. Well, I'm looking forward to connecting with you soon when you get back. Thank you. And uh, thank you, Xavier Peoples, for coming on my show. HBCU Change. He's making a difference. Five, what, what is it? Is, is a, a billion dollars. How many, how many dollars did you do? A billion dollars in five years. That's a billion dollars in five years, you know. Yes, sir. You can do it. It's a number, man. It's a number. And That's it's it. a number. You know, you know what happens, man, is that uh, people... Try to think, you know, just you're talking about cents. And, that, you know, cents add up to dollars and dollars adds up to five and tens and 15, 20. And that's what that's how you galvanize people to, to participate is that you don't encourage a lot. You just encourage some, encourage some level of participation. And I know you launched a campaign like on, uh, on Give Tuesday of 2020. Yes. The same day I did a big campaign for Voorhees College and nice. I was able to raise a million dollars for them in that oh, campaign. Awesome. So, my man, you're looking at the right dude, man. I care. Right. I'm going yeah. to have him send over a deck to you just to show you our HBCU radio network, just so you can see what we're doing. Look at our platforms that we're creating for black excellence so we can win together. Okay? Let's do it. All right. Good. Thank you for coming on Money Making Conversation. Hey, if you want to hear more Money Making Conversation interviews, please go to moneymakingconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I am your host. In this season of giving, Kohl's has gifts for all your loved ones. For those who like to keep it cozy, find fleeces, sweaters, loungewear, blankets, and throws. Or support minority-owned or founded brands by giving gifts from Human Nation and Shea Moisture. And in the spirit of giving, Kohl's Cares is donating $8 million to local nonprofits nationwide. Give with all your heart this season with great gifts from Kohl's or Kohl's.com. Still living in 2021 and manually taking notes? There is a better way. Start the new year with otter.ai. Automatically get meeting notes. Otter.ai works for virtual meetings like Zoom, Microsoft Teams, and Google Meet. Sign up on the web for free or download in the app stores. Otter.ai. That's O-T-T-E-R A-I. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tomorrow's Mega Millions jackpot is over 300 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five.